There's only one place to get a true Colorado mountain pie. You know where it is. It's Bojo's. And Bojo's is going to hook it up for you if you show up and tell them that you are a DNVR family member. They're going to hook up with a free honey cheese bread. And you're already going to have honey and cheese and bread on your pizza. So why not double down and also get a honey cheese bread to go along with it? Make sure you check out Bojo's. And make sure you mention DNVR. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S dot com. And make sure you mention DNVR. Broncos country is Sitting in the south stands Drinking the curves from mile high The best part of the weekend Hugging the perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 when you get that rich, tasty CBD-infused coffee. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good morning. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. This feels... So usually we do the Denver Sports Podcast on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. This week we did it on Monday, so I've been a day behind all week. So happy Thursday, hopefully? If I wish. Yeah. yeah. That's what it feels like to me, but it is... It is Merely Wednesday. Zach, you had a very good radio-style welcome. Happy hump day. You're enthusiastic. <laughs> you might as well tell us, like, it's National Something Day, too. Oh, I bet it's something. You could, uh... National Women in Sports Day. Oh, National Women in Sports Day, as well, Allie chimes in. Happy day. Yes, great day. Um, it's something every day, though. You can go to daysoftheyear.com, and you can find out that it's something every day. Today is World Nutella Day. Love Nutella. Mm. It's also Weather Person's Day. Wow, wow. Western day. Western Monarch Day. The uh, the All butterfly. Right. This is the there, we, there can only be one thing per day. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. So what is it? Is it Nutella Day? Is that um, what we're settling on? I like women with, in sports. Day. I'm going with women in sports. W- women <laughs> in sports. Speaking of Nutella, I I never u- knew what to do with Nutella. What do you do with Nutella? Is Anything it just you want. You a dessert? You put it all over your body and just <laughs> lay there. You di- it's, a, it's a dessert. It's a snack. My daughter likes pretzel sticks dipped in Nutella. Okay. Oh. That sounds wow. good. Yeah, I, they actually have like a little pack you can buy that's not quite pretzel sticks. It's almost just like little bread sticks. I know what yeah. you're talking about. So good. It's, yep. it, it's perfect for a kid to school. Like that's what it, I think that's what it's designed for because Charlotte puts it in her lunch sack every morning that's awesome you yeah. ever do a uh, pb and j with nutella instead, instead of, of jelly instead or instead mm. of pb no 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 no. it's gotta no. be instead of jelly really so you do peanut butter and nutella yeah i would say so not jelly and nutella no because like peanut butter goes together well with like dark things like chocolate and those sort of stuff but isn't nutella just the exact replacement for peanut butter no but it doesn't taste the same. I, I don't. I think part that would of, be your ultimate dessert. I mean, Nutella is sweeter so than peanut butter, mm-hmm. and exactly. I think that's why it wouldn't go as well with the jelly. I think Nutella and a banana, mm-hmm. sliced banana, works very well. Maybe better than peanut butter and banana, which is a great sandwich in of itself. 
best use of Nutella is with bananas and strawberries inside of a crepe. Ooh. Ooh. Yep, that sounds good. By the way, if we're looking at we're, we're, if we're looking ahead on the day, what day it is? Friday is Working Naked Day. Oh, are we participating? I guess we're gonna do a remote podcast. <laughs> and <laughs> all from our houses. It's also Breck Brew's thirtieth birthday, so what a better way to celebrate than be naked with some beer. I love it. <laughs> I love it. At work, just not with you guys. <laughs> um. Yesterday, we talked a lot about Super Bowl odds, which had been out. And this morning, win total odds came out. And while we did talk about the way to make money off of Super Bowl odds, this one is a little more direct. All you got to do is just get it right, and then you can make money. And, and the, it's 50-50. So they want you to believe. <laughs> um This is probably right where it should be. The Broncos, I've now seen it from two different books the Broncos come in at a flat eight. Now, it's interesting because yesterday we talked about Super Bowl odds. And we talked about how the Broncos were last in the division in terms of Super Bowl odds. But in this, in the win totals, the Broncos are second in the division. Ahead of Oakland, who's last with seven. And Los Angeles at seven and a half. So seven, seven and a half, eight. And then the Chiefs are way in front of the pack at 11 and a half, which is about as high as you ever see it. That's the respect that Broncos country was hoping for, right? Saying that they're going to be second place in the AFC West. I don't see a scenario. Someone's got to, someone's going to have to beat that they're over in the bottom half of the division. It's not going to be the Chiefs winning 12 games and then the Broncos winning seven, the Chargers winning seven, and the Raiders winning seven. Right, yeah, someone's going to be above 500 is what yes. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. So, I would agree. And, in fact, if Tom Brady comes to this division, whichever team he goes to, which it doesn't seem likely now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my guns and say three teams from this division make the, make the playoffs. So I don't think Tom's coming mean. anymore. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, but I could see that. I mean – if you are someone who feels like you have an inside track on what Tom Brady's going to do and you think he's going to one of those teams, you definitely take their over. Yes. As much as I don't think he is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback anymore. Um, he's certainly an eight-win caliber quarterback. Uh, well, they have New England right now at ten and a half. So they're counting on him going back. Right. Yep. That's third most behind the Chiefs and the Ravens, who are both eleven and a half, and the Ravens are at eleven. Also interesting that uh, the Niners are, t- are 10.5, so thus three of the top four, three of the team of the four teams for whom the over-under is greater than 10 are in the AFC. Mm. Which is why I think you can say there seems, if, there seems to be a discrepancy between where the Broncos rank in Super Bowl odds and where they rank in terms of the over-under on their win total. Right. That... With this, Vegas is betting there's a decent chance that they are competitive, that they're in the playoff, at minimum, in the playoff hunt. But their chances of getting past any of those Titans, no pun intended, (laughs) at the top of the AFC is minimal. Right. Yep. That makes sense. That's That's a good point. So how do you feel about the eight? I feel there's a large money making opportunity here. On the over or the under? <laughs> on the over. Ah, oh, shocker. 
I think that eight is not the worst case scenario. That's that would be a, a massive over exaggeration, but I believe it is on the negative end of the spectrum for the Broncos. Um, and because of that, I think it's a pretty low risk proposition here that you could at least push. I think eight and eight is a disappointing season for the Broncos next year, even though it is a one win improvement over what they did this year. So the reason I look at that is if they at all have a good season, perform a little above each player's average, then I think they that you're going to win this bet. Well, and Ryan, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That's how I feel as well because I just see a natural progression happening. Five and eleven, six and ten, seven and nine. Eight this eight. year, eight and eight. And I think that they could easily be nine and seven over that hump. Uh, so not worst case, but I would say maybe forty percent chance that they're over eight and eight, that they're nine and seven or better. Thirty uh, percent chance that they're eight and eight. Uh, and uh, what is that? 30% chance that they're worse. So right there, 70% odds that you're at least going to get your money back, 40% odds that you're going to uh, win, and then 30% odds that you're going to lose. So in the end, it, it makes it's, it's a good bet, I think. Um, and that also, that line makes a lot of sense because Vegas typically with these lines, you know, really bad teams, are going to have like a really bad team. The Dolphins, I don't remember what their over-under was last year, but I bet it was a little higher than people were expecting, maybe maybe four and a half uh, or something like that. And typically great teams where you're like, oh, that's an automatic 12-4 and four team, like the Chiefs potentially, or the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning. You're like, oh, they're going to go 13-3, and 12-4. Well, the over-unders for them are always a little lower. So, so Vegas tends to go in the middle with these things and kind of err on the side of caution. And boy, with the Broncos... If Drew Locke doesn't pan out and the offensive line doesn't pan out, they could they could be a bad team. If Drew Locke pans out, uh, then they, they could be a 10-win team or, or more. And so Vegas is saying, we don't really know with the Broncos right now, so we're just going to continue along this progression and say 8-8. Eight and eight. First of all, last year you mentioned the Dolphins. They were 5. five okay, they, exactly. Vegas just tends to, mm-hmm. to bring everything back to the middle. And... The Bengals, Dolphins, in Washington last year, they were truly horrible teams, and all of them are sitting at five and a half right now on these odds. Uh, and are, th- Mace, are those the worst odds? Those are, the, those are the three worst. They're sitting at five and a half. Yes. I think it's interesting to look at the company the Broncos are keeping. At eight for the over-under, they are tied with the Falcons, Bears, and Browns. The Bears, That's kind of right where we said they should have been in the Super Bowl odds, right? Yeah, the Bears were twelve and four just a year ago. The Falcons had played well in the, down the stretch of the season. They have a quarterback who's been league MVP, who's gotten them to a Super Bowl, and the Browns. It, I think with the Browns. We saw it in the Super Bowl odds as well. There is the universal expectation that just getting Freddie Kitchens out of that building is going to make that team substantially better. But it's a fair spot for the Broncos because you look at the teams that come in at eight and a half. Buffalo, Houston, the Rams, and the Titans. So you've got three playoff teams and the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl just a year ago. Yep. If anything, I'm a little bit surprised that they're 
that close to the Rams, for example. I thought the Rams would be a little higher than this. Can you tell me who's seven and a half right below the Broncos? Indianapolis, the Chargers, and Tampa Bay. Okay. That actually surprises me that the Broncos are above um, the Chargers. I'm not surprised by that just because we don't know who they're Just because they don't have a quarterback. quarterback. And I guess... There's not a lot of confidence of the in Bucks. There's not a lot of confidence in Jacoby Brissett right now. I think from Vegas and with the Bucks. The reason, I mean, they were 7 and 9 this past year. You're expecting a little bit of improvement, I think. That has more to do with uh Bruce Arians. There's an assumption that Bruce Arians will get competent quarterback play no matter who they end up getting. Assuming they move on from Jameis Winston, as expected. But yesterday, we were talking about the Broncos kind of being in the bottom 10 in terms of Vegas or Super Bowl odds and also power rankings, national power rankings. And we were saying it's because they don't know who Drew Locke is. They're not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I would say with the Broncos sitting at eight wins above those teams where you don't know the quarterback situation, these Vegas odds are saying are giving the benefit of the doubt to Drew, at least to be, you know, Good Decent. enough this first year. I mean, he got his he he got halfway to this over in five games. Yep. Yeah. So, um, it's it. This one feels a lot more accurate to me than the Super Bowl odds. It feels like the Broncos are in the right spot, even though I am of the belief that they are going to hit the over. Just in terms of the the teams that surround them, I think they have the Broncos in the right place here. I don't think this is disrespectful. No. Whereas, you know, being a bottom 10 team, um, the reasons for optimism surrounding the team being, what, the seventh worst team in terms of Super Bowl odds, that, that did feel like they were missing something with the Broncos. This, this doesn't feel like that. One thing about the Super Bowl odds, I don't have them in front of me right now, but how many other AFC teams were toward the bottom? Because I do think that maybe by and large, some of the Super Bowl odds are being impacted by the fact that you have a couple of overwhelming favorites. You have the two teams that have the last two league MVPs at quarterback who currently look like they should have a long run as Super Bowl contenders. And then the Patriots, they're going to get they're going to get people believing in them no matter whether Tom Brady's back or not simply because of Bill Belichick being there and their history of success. So you look at the AFC and the NFC, and I think in terms of upward mobility toward reaching the Super Bowl, at this moment there seems to be more potential for a team to emerge from the pack and make this, and make and win the Super Bowl in the NFC than there is in the AFC. The NFC has a little bit more volatility, it would seem on paper, than the AFC. The problem, though, is that the, that the Raiders and Chargers were ranked so much higher than the Broncos. Like, that was the easy out of, like, this is... It's probably all about TB12. Yeah, for sure. I think that's all that is. All right, there's some other fun games here. I'm, I'm falling into the trap here. They send me these emails <laughs> hoping I'll do this, and you know what? I'll play along. So, uh, shout out to sportsbetting.ag for these odds. AG Argentina? I think it's Anguilla. Ang- How do you pronounce that? That sounds like some Anguilla. place this would be. Yeah, that's where they that's where they throw the offshore books. And what and, or what an, continent is Anguilla, that? Anguilla or it's, Antigua is in the uh, Caribbean. And what about Anguilla? <laughs> I think that's in the. It's also a term for eels. Oh, eels. Maybe like in Spanish. No, like if you serve eels, 
Anguilla. Okay. Well, Ooh, just think about eating one of those. I love eel. Really? Yeah. It's a, You've had it. I've I've never have. Oh but my it, god! It is, but it's the best yeah. type of sushi. Oh, and sushi. I, I don't okay. like the texture of eel. It's like the one sushi I don't like. Oh my god! It's so good. And this eel sauce. It's got to be I love slimy, eels. right? Yeah, I, I no, hate. It's like chicken. I hate eel, but I love eel sauce. Mm. Like I'll use eel sauce on some other sushi. Like I'll have a little, you know, cup of it and dip it in. But yes, anguilla is in the it's it is in the Caribbean. So North way. America. Yeah, it does. It counts as that. <laughs> Technically, like let's say for soccer purposes, you're familiar with Concacaf, right? Definitely not. Okay. Oh it's, my god. Yeah. The. Uh, confederation of the of, of football associations in north america and the caribbean that's who the u.s competes against to qualify for the world cup finals gotcha so it's you know it's it's north america central america and the caribbean anyways they have to include that yes in the name yes anyways from this from this offshore book that sent me these odds chargers next starting quarterback oh i love these games hit me this with is them. fun Tyrod Taylor, the favorite at three to two. Heavy oh. favorite. Oh. Because gosh. below him comes in Teddy Bridgewater at five to one. Tua at five to one. Thomas Brady at six to one. Justin Herbert at nine to one. Jameis Winston, ten to one. Marcus Mariota, ten to one. And then it goes down. This Jordan Love, sixteen to one. Starting quarterback? Next, starting quarterback. Who takes the first snap under center in week one? Give me the favorite, even though it's boring. Give me Tyrod Taylor. Justin Herbert, though, I like those odds. If you're feeling real saucy, you can get Colin Kaepernick at 100-1 to 1, or even Eli Manning at 500-1. to 1. Oh, my gosh. Just I, dump your money down the toilet. I'm going with Tyrod Taylor just because if they draft a guy – I don't know they're going to hand him the keys immediately mm-hmm. because they're going to look at the team and say, you know what? We have a lot of players coming back from injury. We're healthy for a change. Maybe Tyrod can be the guy to, to provide some stability right out of the blocks if this rookie isn't ready. And also, whether it's Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa, with Tua you have the injury concern, the, re- mm-hmm. the rehab. And with Justin Herbert, you just don't know if he's going to be quite ready. I'm or look- good at all. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that too. I'm looking up Tyrod Taylor's contract, so I Googled Tyrod Taylor contract, and the first suggestion that came up to Google is, is Tyrod Taylor good? Hmm. What do you expect to get from that in, in a Google search? I, I guess just a, a quick <laughs> yes. It's pretty good. What would you say? Would that be your answer, yes? Uh, it just depends on what good means. Better there, than well, that, that's that's what I'm saying. What an yeah. ambiguous thing to ask Google. When the Broncos were futzing around with Trevor Simeon, I wanted Tyrod Taylor because he would have been an upgrade. So did Gary. A better fit in Gary's offense. I yes. Thought. Well, Kubiak loves him. That's. I mean, we all know about how back in the 2015 off season, Gary Kubiak wanted to bring Tyrod Taylor in as the backup to. Peyton Manning, not exactly a ringing endorsement of Brock Osweiler at the time. Would have been a better move. (laughs) Uh, But But would Tyrod Taylor have done so well filling in for Peyton Manning that there would not have been that temptation to go back to Manning in the Charger game, and thus you wouldn't have had Manning out there in the postseason. The Broncos might not have beaten either the Steelers 
or the Patriots with Tyrod Taylor on or their center. Or Tyrod Taylor just leads them to a Super Bowl, and the whole and world is different. Now. Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? I've always had a soft spot for Tyrod Taylor. And one thing that, even though he's not spectacular, that teams uh, historically like, it a low interception percentage, 1.5%. That's really yep. good. If the Bucks were looking for the opposite of Jameis Winston, <laughs> someone who was cautious almost to a fault, they would bring in Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he embodies ball security being job security. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, here's the next prop. Phillip Rivers' next team. Bucks at 2-1. to one. Mm. Colts at 3-1. to one. Panthers and Raiders at 4-1. to one. Dolphins 11-2. to two. Saints 20-1. to one. Can't imagine why you would wow. ever put money there. Titans twenty to one, Cowboys thirty three to one, Patriots thirty three to one. I think the reason why the Saints are there is if Drew Brees retires, they lose Teddy Bridgewater, and New Orleans, I believe, is actually the city that is closest to Destin, Florida, where he's calling home. He's taking a private jet there now. <laughs> wow. I mean, I hate going with the favorite again, but it just makes too much sense. Philip Rivers moved his family there. I don't see him leaving his family to go play somewhere. But if I had to choose anywhere else with those odds, I'd go Indianapolis. I, I'm mad there's not an option here of no team. Mm. That's what I think should happen. Retirement? I just think no team should sign him <laughs> and just let him go away. Is he still one of the 32 best quarterbacks walking the earth? I don't think so. Yes, I think I'd, so. I think he's still one of the 32 best. Would you Thus, rather there's have, a role for him. Would you rather have Jacoby Brissett or Phillip Rivers? Brissett. I'd rather have Phil. I think he gives you a shot. No, he also gives you a shot to be worse. I think his floor is lower, but his ceiling's higher. Would you rather have Jameis Winston or Phil? You're Rivers? taking a guy who already had the year. That was his year last year. He had the year. That's why they sucked. Maybe. Well, he was still slinging it, though. And the, and the <laughs> other thing, with these quarterbacks who play at a high level, there's always that moment where it looks like, this is the end. This is it. And then they rebound for two to four years. I don't think that's happening. I, I think his arm is shot. The false sunset. I don't. So we don't know if Phil Rivers has had the false sunset or the real sunset. By the way, the sunsets are beautiful in Tampa Bay on the west coast of Florida. I'm just saying. I think that uh, he's so, donezo. Okay, so if you're the Patriots and Tom Brady goes to L.A. or the Raiders, would you rather have Philip Rivers or Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. No way. Yes. Give me Phil. I'm telling you, dude, the guy's <laughs> arm is shot. He are like he has such poor mechanics throwing the ball that now that his arm is no longer as strong as it used to be, he's useless. <laughs> it's the same way I feel about Cam Newton. The okay. guy can't throw the ball. I actually I have to agree. I would rather have Andy Dalton, but I think Andy Dalton in the right scenario has a better season than he ever had in Cincinnati. Probably. Depending yeah. on where he I goes. I see that. I think, I, thought, I think Tampa Bay would be a nice fit for him. For a while, I was thinking that before it seemed like they, their, their focus has turned to Phillip Rivers. But back about November of last year, I was starting to think about Andy Dalton, another Bengal, like Carson Palmer going to Bruce Arians' nurturing bosom and reviving his career. Let me just stab my eyes out before having to watch an Andy Dalton-led team. That would be so disappointing if I was a fan of someone and they got Andy Dalton. Give me Phil. At least it's going to go up with some excitement. Actually, a scenario in which I would want the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl would involve if they signed Andy Dalton <laughs> and went to the Super Bowl. And then a lot of people would be saying, ha, it was 
Belichick all along. Yep. It wasn't Brady. <laughs> that would prove that. <laughs> all right. Let's get these are quick hitters here. So okay. uh, I'll give you the juice and just if anyone wants to jump on the uh, the positive juice here, then let me know. Jameis Winston starts in week one for the Bucks. Yes, plus 150. No, minus 200. Well, I got to take the no there. Yeah. yeah, no. Cam Newton in week one for the Panthers. Yes, minus 150. No, plus 110. No, plus. Give me yeah. the plus. I like the plus Definitely. money there. I'm going no. I'd like to see the odds on Cam Newton being a charger if they don't mm. get Tom Brady. Drew Brees on the Saints roster in week one. Yes, minus 400. No, plus 250. You have to go yes. Yes. Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback in week one. Yes, minus 120. No, minus 120. No. Minus one. Yeah, no. I'll say yes. Somewhere. Mm. Yes. I mean, we've named some teams. I mean, is he an upgrade for the Colts? Yes. Oh, I I think the Saints will keep him. They'll sign him up, huh? And he's down? He's down because they know one more year with Drew. He's the coach in waiting? Yep. <laughs> so you're giving him a backloaded contract. You're saying, okay, Teddy, here is a deal that is worth 75. Didn't say that as loudly as usual. Million. But your cap number for this year is like five. Yep. Sure. Okay. Um, this one, I don't even know how it made it on this list. Taysom Hill on the Saints roster in week one. Yes, minus 900. No, plus 500. <laughs> Let's just Ooh. say I'm not going to lose my money on the no. Is he? So he's a free agent? He is. Oh. He, he has to be if Payton this is a... loves him, right? Yeah. He's, unless someone makes him a starting quarterback. But somewhere. said he's a f- franchise quarterback caliber. Here's the, the <laughs> thing... I'm saying it. Here's the thing. I'm starting to sound like you. I'm sorry. Um, do the Saints bring back both Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, or is this one or the other? Is this a binary? It seems weird to go both. Yeah. But and who investing they... in the quarterback position is never a bad idea. Is this no. maybe the reason that why Drew Brees may not be there? Taysom. It's because they say... they got to choose two or three. Yeah, they say choose two or three, and we're going with the two of the future. Maybe. Oh, that would be stupid. Really stupid. But they could run the RRPPO <laughs> with could. Teddy B oh, and man. Taysom Hill. H- have we ever seen all three of them on the field at the same time? No. Yeah, not that I know of. I mean, we've seen two on the field, obviously, at the same time, but not three. That would be something. Just though. take it to the – bring them all back and take it to the next level, Sean. All right. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky starts in week one for the Bears. Yes, minus 500. No, plus 300. Yes. Yes, but they're bringing in another quarterback. Um, I've actually heard some rumblings that they could be interested in Nick Foles, interestingly enough. Hmm. Hmm. Trading for him? Yes. That's odd. All right, these are quick. That's what I thought. Will the the Cowboys Mm. franchise tag Dak Prescott? Yes, minus 500. No, plus 300. Yes. He's ta- they're tagging him. Will the Titans franchise tag Ryan Tan- Tannehill? Same odds. 500 for minus 500 for yes, plus 300 for no. No. Give me the juice Ooh, on that. 3 to 1. I think they get a deal done. Yeah, and that's part of what we're considering, right? Do they get a contract done? Yeah, if they I, get a contract done, you win this bet. I think they're going to get something done with Tannehill in the next three weeks. Yeah, I think that would be idiotic. Um, you definitely <laughs> put him on the tag and just give him one year to prove it that he can do it again. I couldn't agree more. That's what I would do, but I just got to think that they're sold on him. This one's kind of sad. Will the Chiefs franchise tag Chris Jones? Yes, minus 300, no, plus 200. So they're saying he's the least likely of the likely guys to get tagged, but but still favored. 
yep. to get tagged. It makes sense for the Chiefs. The more I've thought about it, they, they just buy another year of this window. Well, what's the ta- what is the uh, tag number on him right now? Is it about fifteen million? Well, Aaron Donald is certainly uh, jacking that price up. Right. You get the average of the top three, right? Yes. So who else is is uh, in that realm that's making a lot of money? De- just defensive linemen. Yeah. Hmm. J.J. Watt. Oh, in the top three? Uh, the guy out in Philadelphia. Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox. He's got to be making a ton. 18-ish. Yeah. So we're going to say it's about $20 million, which is the going rate. Right. Anyway. If, and if, again, if they can make it work, why would they not try to for one more year? See, I think the Chiefs will make it work. They'll do whatever they can to keep Chris Jones and sign Patrick Mahomes. And then after that, I don't think they care because they have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill locked up. Okay, this is the last one here. Well, we can get into the next one too. By the way, seventeen point nine five million is the projected okay. tag number for D-line. So that's a uh, discount. Yes. Yeah. Um, Super Bowl halftime performer. Can you guess who the favorite is? I just want to see what your guesses are. Where Where is the Super Bowl next year? Tampa. Tampa. Bay. Okay, Mason, name, name me some famous there, people from Tampa. Tampa's musical culture is not great, actually. I would, I would argue that the uh, most prominent thing musically to come out of the Bay Area in terms of in-person attendance is the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> and I would their love annual that. of collection of Christmas favorites. Oh, I would love because that. It, because the origins of that were as a metal band out of Tarpon Springs, the town in which. I lived, and my parents live. I thought they were from the Siberia area. <laughs> Not <too>. even close. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, they started. Yeah, start as a metal band. That's how that whole thing. Right, I can tell you that Trans Siberian Orchestra is <laughs> not, not on playing the, the Super Bowl. I'm gonna go Justin Timberlake. Not even ranked. Wow. Well, remember he was part of the uh, incident with Janet Jackson. Wasn't that so long? At Super Bowl Thirty Eight. Yeah, that was back in. That was sixteen years ago. But the NFL has a long memory on these things. <laughs> so Very I true. don't think you're seeing that. And to all the people who are outraged over the uh, halftime show and the seductivity is that a word? Yep. Of it. I can tell you, and like they're worried about their kids, I can tell you I saw a boob on television when I was like 12 years old, and I turned out all right. Did it bother you? Did it ruin shook. your life? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, you, got a, you got a guess? Uh, well, I'm just thinking, okay, who, like, who prominent hasn't done it? Because usually they like a few. rotator. You know what? Even though he's done it, he's been a part of a halftime show, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, also not on the list. (laughs) I thought he did well at Super Bowl 48. I mean, it was probably the best thing about that game from Broncos' perspective was the halftime show. At 5-1, to probably the most famous musician who's never done it yet, Taylor Swift. She's never done it? Nope. Wow. Ooh. At 8-1, to which I think is way too high, Adele. I feel like her time has passed. Um, And I don't think that her style really reflects... The Super Bowl. It's it, you know, just the the music is slower. It doesn't have that that energy, that up tempo thing that you want on Super Sunday. I mean, if if she, I mean, if, if she gets up there and you know starts singing "Hello," it just 
It's not. It's it's not gonna. Ooh, but then she could come. Uh, she can collaborate with Lionel Richie. I mean, the only thing she she could do. Rumor <laughs> has it, and that that would have some yeah, bounce. It's, it's not happening. Yes, right. as Ali yes. says, she should sing the national. Actually, anthem. the first Super Bowl they have in London, they'll they'll have her sing "God Save the Queen." Although by then it might be Super "God Bowl. Save the King." <laughs> Sorry, I love you, all of our UK listeners. We are not putting the great <laughs> American sporting event in London. Never say never. I'm saying never. Um, uh, eight to one Adele, eight to one Drake. He's uh, never done one either. Has that's he? that's a big one that hasn't done one yet. Nine to one Jay Z, nine to one Rihanna, ten to one is Queen, which wow, because they tour periodically uh, with uh, Adam Lambert singing in place of the late Freddie Mercury. Although it's 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 interesting because it's not not only do you not have the late Freddie Mercury, but also John Deacon, the bassist, has never taken part in any of these reunions. It's only been uh, Brian May and Roger Taylor. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't want a <laughs> uh, like hodgepodge queen playing the Super Bowl. I think the thing is, the league has moved away from the acts who were prominent in like the seventies and eighties. Although that being said. Just because of Bohemian Rhapsody, the film, and there's been a significant revival of interest in it, so it wouldn't shock me if Queen was on their radar. Oh, I've I had no idea who Shakira was. I knew her music. I I had to ask someone who's singing right now. Stop. I'd never what? seen her face. I, even I knew who she the was. Super Bowl. Get some culture in your life. Did not. I know her music. <laughs> I've just never seen her face. Okay. That's fair. Enough. The thing that shocked me is that Only seen her hips. Ha- now I know her the thing tongue. that shocked me is how old she is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I found out her age, I'm like, oh my god, really? <laughs> Pretty crazy. All right, uh, quickly, Foo Fighters at twelve to one. That would appease a lot of people who are upset about this last one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ariana Grande at fourteen to one. I like those odds. And here is my uh, underrated. Under the radar, good bet at fourteen to one. Billie Eilish. Oh, yep. I, I mean, mean, she's, she's dominating as, the music world right about now. About as hot as is it's coming in terms of music world. Yep. yep exactly. But, but it usually, also, yeah, it's not it's a kind of like fit. the Adele, right? No, no, because she has some bangers, but it's it's not like she's a little too controversial for the NFL. I think <laughs> they're they would be like worried she was going to take some sort of stand. <laughs> and the other thing is, usually the NFL is, is not on the leading edge of an artist. There, it's usually a few years after that artist has emerged, at minimum, right? As or, somebody or famous, after. yeah. I'll so s- I'll I, skip some of the middle here. Um, all of these are at twenty to one. The last one's coming in: Elton John, Garth Brooks. Imagine Dragons, a Whitney Houston hologram, no, or a Michael Jackson hologram. Oh now, God. Elton John has he's done some NFL stuff, but I don't think he has ever done Super Bowl halftime. Well, it would make sense. And that's movie. W- and that even though they've gone away from the older acts, that would be interesting just because he will still be in the midst of his final tour he says it's going to be his final tour another one that would appease the people who were mad about the last <laughs> yes show. uh okay well probably, that... probably less skin yeah i'll that, tell you yeah. i i saw him a couple of years ago he's even at his age he still puts on a hell of a show has billy joel ever done it no but uh he's he's kind of he's kind of set on the 
you know, the periodic, uh, the periodic tours and the Madison Square Garden residency. He plays Madison Square Garden. Doesn't he play it like a couple once of times, once yeah. a month or twice a month or something like that? Yeah, every he just month. just sells out the garden. Wow. Yes. Not a bad gig. It's a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> uh, he's, I mean, is there any artist who's more kind of old school New York than Billy Joel? Right. No. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. We made a stop at the farmhouse and just the campus over there yesterday it was your guys first time being there pretty awesome right it was great i it was i'm always fascinated with breweries part of it is i I was telling somebody yesterday that um uh being in tampa we go to bush gardens and when you got tired of going on the roller coasters you took a break you went over to the anheuser-busch brewery tour Mm. Uh, what's interesting is to learn about what they're doing at that specific brewery and how and you know how Breckenridge Brewery because of course it's a part of the Anheuser-Busch family has take has used that to get uh, distribution all over the country as we uh, hear from so many of our uh, listeners and uh, subscribers and uh, you know some of the some of the stuff that comes out of Breck Brew they ac- actually comes from out of the uh, AB plant up in Fort Collins and a lot of what they're doing over at the Breck Brew facility in Littleton is focused like on some of the specialty beers. I had the Resolution yesterday, mm. which was tremendous. If you like beers that have a little bit of fruit in them, I believe it's like blueberry acai is in is infused in that beer. That's a tremendous drink, and it's, it's very refreshing. Goes down light and smooth. It reminded me of a strawberry sky in the sense that the fruit doesn't just like smack you in the face, and you're like, I feel like I'm drinking blueberry juice with yeah. a hint mm-hmm. of beer. A cider. It's like, it's just a just a little hint of the fruitiness. Real nice. Yeah. Uh, that was the first time I had had that as well. It's one of their newer beers. Um, and then the other thing about Breck Brew over there that we haven't talked about a lot on this podcast is the farmhouse. It's just a, a nice restaurant that just happens to be on their campus. Um, we all, or most of us, got food there afterwards. They had some smoked wings, which were really good. You guys um, were killing me. I had to leave before the food part, and the food that I saw on social media was insane. Yep, yep. Allie got... Drinks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, so they have a new thing called Golden Velvet, Whew. which isn't necessarily mm. a beer. It's... I forget what it's called. It's like a fermented alcohol. It's poured out of a tap, though, right? Yeah, like a beer. Yeah. Um, I guess they said it was their play, kind of on like a pisco sour, uh, which I had, and it was really good. Um, let's see. They had these like uh, cast iron bread things. Those are amazing. I didn't have it due to the diet, but it looked amazing. And they give you a like a blueberry jalapeno oh, jam. Man. To spread on it. Oh my goodness! There's also a green chili cast iron bread yep. that I've had before. I didn't have this past time, but that's that that's tremendous as oh, well. You guys are killing me. It's not even ten thirty. Yeah, it's, I, it's pretty great though because you could go have some great beers, some damn good beers, I might say, and then have some damn good food right afterwards and hang out. And in the summer, unfortunately, it snowed here in Colorado yesterday, so we didn't really get to enjoy it at all. In the summer, they have like a huge backyard mm-hmm. where you can just hang out. You can play bags. Yeah, uh, have tons you, of games just, out it, there. Yeah, like you know, giant Jenga and just bask in the sun and drink Breck brews. It doesn't get much better than that. It's awesome if you're local, if you live in Colorado, but also if you're coming in from out of town, going to a Broncos game, coming here to visit during the summer. Uh, it takes you to to a little closer to the foothills. You get more of that Foothills vibe, and their campus is so cool. And the smells on their campus, the hops are insane. And you can do tours. I believe they do uh, eight scheduled tours a day on highly weekdays. Re- just highly recommend just, it's going a over there. Really enjoyable experience uh, all around. And then uh, you know, do the tour, 
get yourself some merchandise and then also uh, have some dinner. I think that the, the last time I was there before this, I had the Hunter's Pie, which is elk stew, corn, yellow onion, carrots, peas, vanilla porter, gravy, potato, or gratin, and cheese. Wow. It was amazing. Wow. Uh, and then another thing is a quick reminder that we are covering the Colorado Raptors now. And if you don't know who they are, they are Colorado's professional rugby team. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity, I think, for a lot of us to get into a new sport. Um, so make sure that you check out our coverage. It's being headed up by Colton Strickler over there, who is a rugby expert. Um, it's going to be a, a really cool little adventure for us. So make sure you check it out. And, and honestly, um, going to a Raptors game is about as good of a family value as you can get when you're talking about um, going to a sporting event. Kids tickets are like five bucks. So go check it out, get into it, and then check out our coverage. Guys, the Kansas City Chiefs are having their parade right now. And did you see how it started? Yeah, police chase. Yep. Oh, I did In the middle of the parade route. <laughs> Down the parade route, <laughs> ending with a uh, – they got the car in an accident, and uh, wow, that's one way to start off your parade. When you haven't this done this sort of thing in 50 nice years. Things, you know, <laughs> that, you, know it, it, you have no experience with this. How many – you know, they've done a, a World Series party, but the, the parade, but this is on sort of another level. They, You know, it hasn't gotten a whole home for them yet. It hasn't it, – I hope it doesn't become ho hum for the Kansas City enthusiasts, but uh, we'll see. Be interesting to see the numbers. It, 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 from the shots I've seen, the city isn't very well set up to have a lot of people in like one area, so it looks it looks very spread out. Yeah. yeah from, from the shots, I maybe it's spread out, and that's why it seems like it seems like it's kind of a the second day of a of a St. Patrick's Day parade going on in downtown Denver. You know, you just have some people stop. Oh, what's going on here? Let's take a look. Yeah, or like there's like a bike race going on. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you remember when the Broncos had their Super Bowl 50 parade and rally after getting back from the San Francisco Bay Area? It was widely reported that they had a million people, but the late Tom Kensler, who used to work for the Denver Post, uh, explained kind of went through the mathematics of it and where people were and explained that they probably did not have one million people. Um, I'm going to believe it's million. a million, <laughs> over a million. I, I, I kind of thought, okay, the real, realistically it was probably about like 500,000. Wow, cutting the number in half. Yeah, it, was, it was a million for sure. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to the questions here. And the first one comes in from Tater Tot Tom. It says, hi, besides peanut butter and jelly, what is your favorite type of sandwich and sandwich shop to go to hmm. uh, Nutella and peanut butter, right? We <laughs> talked about that. Uh, my favorite sandwich to make at home is just like a very classic turkey and cheese. I like to do a little mustard, yeah. a little mayo. I, got I, yourself a sandwich. I like to do at home a sandwich that is Cajun turkey, provolone cheese, um, salami, tomatoes, and onions with. A uh, a sauce that is basically half mayonnaise, half barbecue sauce, mixed together. Wow! And then heated, so you get the the provolone to melt, everything to kind of come together, the bread to get toasted. So there's a little bit of crunch to it. I do like mm. uh, a little panini action. Oh. I do have a panini maker, so man, I would probably make well, that every day. It depends on what I'm craving. Do I want um? like mustard and mayo, that sort of thing, or do I want hot sauce? So I want hot sauce. I just 
turkey and cheese in the panini and then dip it in some Franks. The so other thing that I'll, that if we're all uh, hanging out in Tampa at the Super Bowl next year, I'll have to introduce you guys to is the pressed Cuban sandwich, which mm, is actually I love a Cuban. It's Cuban, yeah. but it, it's called a Cuban, but it originated in Tampa from Cuban immigrants. But also there are some other influences in it because you got you have like yellow mustard, you have roast pork. Uh, you have pickles, but you also, if you're doing it the Tampa way, you have salami on it. And part of that is because there was a neighbor. There's a neighborhood of Tampa called Ebor City where the pressed Cuban sandwich really took root. And not only did you have Cuban Im- immigrants, but Italian immigrants wow. over there. So it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a cultural. It's a, it's a kind of a cultural melting pot, a cultural stew of a sandwich. And uh, then you press it down, get everything together. There's Swiss cheese on it as well, and yeah, it's, that sounds amazing. That is that is a uh, that's a life changing sandwich when done right. One of the most marvelous wonders of the world is hot sauce, because it's nothing. It it has no nutritional facts to it. it. You could eat as much as you want of it, and it's it's nothing. My girlfriend, every time we get a different hot sauce, we look and we're like, this is is amazing. Vinegar is nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. But my favorite sandwich to make at home would be a caprese sandwich. So good. You toast those focaccia buns. <laughs> oh, get them nice and warm. Some butter oil on there. You put some basil, fresh cut tomato, and some mozzarella. No mm. meat. No meat. See, I might be in on this if it, then it had like some prosciutto or prosciutto. Yes. Yeah. Um, next one here is from Paca Beer. Says, I really want to get on the Drew Lock train but I just have one thing nagging at me. What are we seeing with Locke that we didn't see with Greasy or Cutler at this point in their careers? I was pretty young and don't remember a whole lot of Greasy, but from what I've seen in in, uh, highlights, he seemed like a pretty average quarterback, and Cutler was Cutler. Tell me what I'm missing. I'll be happy to start by illuminating Brian Greasy, um, covering him back in the day. Brian Greasy was a very effective quarterback when everybody else on the offense did their job as the play was designed. The receivers all run the right routes. The guys up front all take care of their business and keep a clean pocket. The fullback picks up the blitzer. When everything worked as it should, Brian Greasy was terrific. So like Trevor Simeon or Case Keenum or Joe Flacco. Exactly. (laughs) And then one thing went wrong. You know, there's there's a breach. You've got to... A pass rusher coming in, a receiver doesn't run the right route. And Greasy struggled to adapt to the chaos that does ensue out of best laid plans on many NFL snaps. And the other thing with Brian Greasy, he didn't have exceptionally good feel for the pass rush. So he didn't avoid it very well. And when he was hit, it felt like it was 50-50 that the ball was coming out. So the difference Fumbles between were a problem. Brian Greasy and Drew Locke is that Brian Greasy kind of sucked and Drew Locke <laughs> is pretty good. Now I think a big now they both I think they both had requisite arm talent. I think a thing that makes Drew Locke better is he has better feel for the pass rush than Brian Greasy did. Well, better feel for just the game in general, wouldn't J- you say? Another thing also, Brian Greasy when he was in Denver, he kind of struggled to connect with his teammates. This was something he actually grew at and did a lot better once he got out of Denver uh, in 
Miami and Tampa Bay, he was considered kind of a model teammate, and even when he wasn't starting a locker room leader yeah, from, in those places. And with Jay Cutler, from a physical and tools and traits perspective, Jay Cutler and Drew Locke are unbelievably similar in terms of what they both have. Jay was mobile. Um, Drew's mobile, the big arm. Jay's big arm was a little different. Drew can make any throws. He can zip the ball in. He can throw the deep balls. Jay's arm is like nothing I've ever seen yeah. in terms of especially like the the short and medium, just the way he zipped that out. But that's not something that he you have to He threw lasers. It, insane. Jay Cutler. I, mean, I always said it looked like he was throwing a different ball yeah. than everyone else. Like half the size. Yeah, it just, it, the way it came out of his hand just looked like it was like lighter or yeah. something. Yeah. It just In terms of raw arm power, the only comp for Jay Cutler in Broncos history is John Elway. Right. Yeah. And the difference with Drew Locke and Jay Cutler is the other side, the the mental side. Jay Cutler was a very smart football player. I think Drew has that as well. But Jay, maybe a little tougher connecting with teammates. A little. Um, the <laughs> the, the uh, work ethic may have not been there. We're, obviously, you're not ready to say that Drew has all of that, but I'm very confident in Drew's work ethic, and come on, we I am ready to say that he's extremely good at connecting with his teammates. Yeah, He's a better leader. It's Jay Cutler if he could lead. Right, exactly. And the, that was the one knock on Jay Cutler. Yep. The and then si- some yeah. decision-making stuff, especially later, once he got to the Bears, he had a kind of an interception bug that bit him. But it's, it's Jay Cutler – with a great attitude and good leadership. Mm-hmm. Jay that's Cut- something yeah. you want. Yeah. Jay Cutler had the worst body language I've seen on a quarterback who's been here. And I remember... It only got worse as he left. Yeah, I remember the in the uh, Panthers-Broncos game in 2008, he got a pass knocked down at the line of scrimmage, and literally his head was down before the ball hit the ground. Yikes. All right, Mace, this next one's you. Yes, Count Locke, you like, gents... Not trying to stir the pot on this GOAT conversation, but I'm curious about a stat I can't seem to find. Mace, I'm sure you know this, but what is TB12's third and long conversion completion percentage? I feel like he glided through those long yardage situations like none other, maybe excluding the last few years. I'd love to know what Mahomes is so far as well. Let's say third and 10 or greater. Thanks. You fellows are the cat's pajamas. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like it's good. Oh, oh you don't know that reference? Well, we both know we that both one. And know that's an old it. one. It's an old one. Okay, reference. I, don't, I don't know that one. <laughs> that's like a 1930s yep. phrase for some, someone who's just really good. So oh, it's like the, it's like, yeah, it's like the cool. bee's knees. Good. Yes, yep. exactly <laughs> like the bee's knees. Okay, all right. Okay, that's yeah. pretty amazing. That's we not bad. We got to soak in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, an old-timey <laughs> thing that oh. we knew. All right. So, Mace, off the top of your head, you can't do any research. What is Tom Brady's career okay. completion percentage well, because on 10 or nobody knows this off the top of their head, <laughs> I went ahead and did some research on this. Just since the start of the 2000 season, and Tom Brady's completion percentage on third and 10 or long is 58.4%. That's incredible, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's very good. Um, the league average... Over that time is, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, I'm going to guess 41. 57.6. Oh, wow. Wow. Oh, and, well, you're talking about completions. I was thinking of conversions. Down. Right. And Patrick Mahomes is 57.7. Now, let's talk about the rate at converting third downs, okay? Because 
the league average since 2000 is 21.5%. Whoa, I was way high. On okay. third and 10 or On more? third and 10 or longer. In terms of when you pass the ball. Yep. This is going by quarterbacks alone. And so I'm incorporating sack rate into this as well as part of that percentage. Sure. Uh, Tom Brady, he's above average, 24.9. This is going to be ugly. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Brace yourselves. 31.8% of the time he's in third and 10. Significantly lower <laughs> than I thought. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. 10% that, over league average is, is fantastic. What about Drew Locke? Uh, let me get to Drew Locke here. Hang on, I got to do a, a search on the Excel file because it's, since this is since 2000, there are literal there are literally um, there are thousands, li- yeah, hundreds of names on this list hundreds. here. All right, so we said Patrick Mahomes 31.8. I legitimately would have guessed 70. I would have guessed okay. over 50. And by the <laughs> way, Patrick Mahomes that 31.8 percentage. That is the best of any quarterback who has had more than at least 30 third-down attempts since the year 2000. The only ones who are better have extremely small sample sizes, like one for one. Or, you know, like Randall Cunningham, since 2000, he played a little bit, was 17 of 27 and converted 37% of the time. The interesting thing about this is I do think a huge part of it is the scheme that is something that Andy Reid has done an incredible job of putting in him in positions to do and and Tyreek Hill just seems to always get open on those plays I think it's I think it's the opposite I think it's Patrick Mahomes and because he's able to buy that time to allow Tyreek Hill to get open and doing the things that you shouldn't do as a quarterback running 10 yards backwards yeah that I mean the third and 15 play in the Super Bowl that is the signature Patrick Mahomes play because yep. of when it happened and the fact that it was quintessential Mahomes fading back, fading back. The Niners, they're winning their matchups at the line of scrimmage. But because he has that ability to just keep going back and then still uncork it, there you go. All right, what's Drew? Drew is uh, he's had 14 uh, third down chances of 10 or more. Uh, they've The Broncos have converted two of them, so only 14.3%. His completion percentage is 61.5 because 8 of 13 for 90 yards, but he also has a sack. Mm, that's pretty good, the completion percentage. It's good, yeah. But it shows that they're check, you're, you're talking check downs. They didn't check down too much On, with him. I think it was just, I mean. But you're taking the short yeah. stuff. You're throwing short of the sticks, and you're hoping your guys can, can get some yak. You're not getting it through the air. Patrick Mahomes on third down gets it through the air. If there's anything that made me confident in Drew Locke more than anything else, it was the way that he played on third downs. Not necessarily third and 10 plus, but um, third and in seven to 10, third in five or three to six, et cetera, But et cetera. the thing also, like he only has 14 plays, so an incredibly small sample size. Yeah. And he basically had the restraints on. Oh, yeah. For most of that, for most of those starts. Let's see what happens when you take those off. Next one coming in from a nickname of Patrick Mahomes, Joe Schmo. Good sirs, in light of all the talk on the pod around the quarterbacks that could land in the AFC West, do you think either the Chargers or the Raiders could make a play for Cam Newton? Hypothetically, if he gets traded to one of these teams, which team would you think? Where does Cam stack up to the other quarterbacks you have said you don't want to see land in the AFC West, TB12, Tua, Herbert, etc.? I've never said I don't want it. The only one out of those groups that I don't want in the AFC West is Tua. 
CB12. So where does he rank? Um, Is he ahead of Herbert? Cam? Yeah. Cam will be ahead of Herbert for me. Yes, but uh, no, no. Who, who would you rather see in the division, Cam or TB12? I don't even – either one is fine with me. Um, <laughs> but probably Cam. Man. Yeah, I just – I don't think Cam has a lot left health-wise. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine with him, TB12, Herbert, um, Marcus Mariota, any of those guys. Teddy Bridgewater, they don't scare Jake me. Rom. James Winston actually does scare me. Um, and Tua scares me. I, I was off Tua uh, – He's, I don't want him in the division. Well, Winston scares me just because if he ever figures it out, if he lowers the interception rate and becomes the next ex-Tampa Bay quarterback to go on to great things elsewhere. I've seen you don't I've ex- seen this opera before. You don't expect it, but we've seen the ups. We, we know that the upside is there. He can sling it in the NFL. Sling it right into your defensive arms. Well, he can do both. <laughs> it's true. He can do both. From BC Bronco, going back to yesterday's pod, you said NHL players made the least of the North American sports, but that's not completely true. Uh, one, NBA, 7.7. Two, MLB, 4.36. Three, NHL, 2.4 million per year. Four, NFL, 2.1 million per year. This is a little bit skewed just because the rosters in the NFL are so big and mm-hmm. the guys at the bottom of the roster are making nothing. Not only so big, but uh, you have relative scarcity of product because you only have 16 games, whereas the NHL is opening its venues 82 nights a year. Yeah, obviously if you went to a per-game, NFL yeah. would shoot to the top of this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting. It's just I don't know what what would be the best way to truly measure – Without accounting for the guys making league, you know, league rookie minimum starters. Yeah, just base it off starters. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, because then I think the NFL jumped significantly. He Next goes one. on and says, "To be honest, I was a little shocked how big of a discrepancy I saw between the sports. Sports with the most personal health risk get paid the least. This is especially true if you start bringing in leagues like the CFL at eighty thousand dollars per year." Or the NLL, is that lacrosse? Yes. At $15,000 per year. Does this get brought up when they're negotiating the next CBA in 2021? I, I don't think it gets brought up specifically like this. I mean, especially, I wouldn't even, the CFL and the NLL, they're not even in discussion. They're basically minor leagues uh, for all intents and purposes. But I think uh, what does get brought up in terms of health risk is access to insurance, access to health care for the life beyond the football career. That's something that I think is going to come up. $15,000 a year for lacrosse. That is that's, just brutal. That's crazy. And then I assume another, you know, you can play in the outdoor and indoor leagues. So yes. maybe you can double that. You're still at 30000 Yeah. Well, what happens nothing. in those leagues is a lot of those teams, they're not together during the weeks. Right. Yeah. There are, the, the players are working full-time jobs. They're showing up like on Thursday or Friday having one practice and they're playing and they're, often all over the country. I remember when I worked in arena football a long time ago, uh, we had guys who were teachers, they were in grad school, they were doing whatever, and uh, they, we had a guy, a Willie Wyatt, a former NFL offensive lineman who was a phys ed teacher, and he literally flew into the game site wherever it was, went over, you know, went over the game plan in meetings the night before the game, played in the game, and then flew back to his job. 
Yep, yep, that's crazy. Next one from Denver Jayhawk. As much as it irks me to say this, I'm somewhat happy for my KC friends. Ryan, I'm a 92 Denver kid like you and me, but I made the smart decision to head out to KU. Not a smart decision. I didn't hate the Chiefs until I went out to school there. They freaking hate the Broncos. I was in school when PFM was running train all over the AFC West. My first game at Arrowhead was against the Broncos in 2015. I was actually a dozen rows up from where we recovered... uh, Jamal Charles's Jamal Charles's fumble and got the go-ahead touchdown. That's the last time we have beaten the Chiefs. How many years until we challenge them for the AFC West? Do you guys think we will build enough in the draft for that to happen in the Mahomes era? Also, one article listed Ruggs as a red flag, but draft bust. Yet a majority of mocks have him going to us at 15. If you could choose two wide receivers, our first 100 picks, who would your best duo be? Side note, fried rice can be eaten for every meal of the day. One of my Korean coworkers talks about it as a staple for breakfast. It is really enjoyable with an over-easy egg on top for breakfast. Breakfast, Rock chalk. You changed the meal. You put an <laughs> egg over it. I know there's egg in it, mm. scrambled egg, but the second that you put a fried egg over it, you change the meal. It's, it's a disqualifier. And you're not doing that for dinner? Nope. <laughs> um, the other thing, so. Rugs, the, it's an interesting comment because one thing I want to do some research on over the next couple of months is this. How many receivers who were not the wide receiver one for at least one season at their college actually became big-time NFL receivers? It's so unfair to do to these these Alabama guys. Right. Oh, I know, but it's, it's, it's something worth noting. Here's what I'll say about what your comment here about one article saying it's a red flag and all these. Personally, I believe in the draft you should find no more than three analysts that you really trust and just stick with them. Because if you take in all the draft content, you're literally going to see every take possible. You're going to see that every player is a bust. Drew Locke's a bust. Drew Locke's a future Hall of Famer. Drew Locke, you know, uh, can't do this. Drew Locke's great at that. It's why I like and, and, and not worried about hearing this, because that is a popular guy to say bust, because he wasn't the number one receiver, because he's a speed guy, but he's not just that. He runs pretty good routes, and so he you're not just drafting him because of his potential 4-2 speed. There's other things that are good about him. If I could have two, any two wide receivers, it would be Judy and LaVisca. Mine would just be Judy and Ruggs with LaVisca. Keep them close. together. Yep, exactly. Then he can still be the two. That's almost impossible, or the but three. It, would, it would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Onion, booty, Bronco. What round do you think I'll go in this year's draft? By the way, I watched AJ Epinesa highlights, and he looks disruptive as earthquakes. Should we be as excited about the possibility of drafting him as we are with Kinlaw? Could Cameron Hayward be a good comp for AJ? If so, that's something to be excited about. Where are you drafting Espinenza? 15. 15-20. I, I was going to say, is that not a trade back? No, Potentially? I don't think so. It's, it's there or nothing? I, that's what I think. Okay. He's really good. It's interesting... Um, He's a little bit of a tweener between an edge guy and a defensive end. He would obviously just be a Derek Wolf type in this defense. I think he could be really, really successful. I like him. I'm not on the – I don't love him enough to campaign for that. I'd like him better with a four-down lineman front. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of people in the draft world who would disagree with you on that. But I mean, Yeah, I know, but that's – that's what this is all about, right? Different opinions? Yep, absolutely. Next one from Bronco Born, Bronco Bred. Y'all are forgetting a big reason as to why a Broncos fan would root for the Chiefs. Money. 
Also, I think RK and Zach have been visiting the green solution recently because in no world should team select rugs over CD. I know what you're going to say. He's too similar to Cortland. I'm going to break the news. He's not. He's quicker, faster, and has better hands. CD is also close to as good as LaVisca when it comes to yards after the catch. Just go watch last year's OU Texas game. All right, now an off-season topic. If you could be a profession, be at a professional at any sport, which would you choose? Mine is easy, golf. Same. Um, I'm not against CD. I like CD Lamb a lot. There's just something about him that makes me not love him as much as a guy like Judy, a guy like uh, Ruggs, or even a guy like LaVisca. And it's, it just, to me, looks like he's not going to be quite as explosive in the NFL as he, as he was in college. When I watch him, I see a really good all-around receiver. I want, at 15, if I'm going receiver, I want elite at uh, something. Yeah. So what is it? It's, it's not a knock He's a really good receiver. If the Broncos get him at 15, they're getting a really good player. I just want that special quality. Judy's special. Yep. And is the best all around. I have no problem picking Jerry Judy high. Well, Judy is the one guy in this class that I think is elite at multiple things. Elite speed, Mm -hmm. elite route runner. If you have those two things, it's pretty impossible to fail. I think his role and and his strengths also lend themselves to moving him around. Someone did a cut-up on Twitter. I wish I remembered who it was. But it was of all the times that Ruggs and Judy both ran deep routes and both were open. And obviously, there's only one ball to go around. (laughs) It was pretty crazy, though. Like, pretty much every time Judy scored a deep touchdown, you can pan over and Ruggs is just running wide open, too. (laughs) And vice versa. It's, It's wild. Also, they pretty much ran four verts. Like, that was, like, their favorite play. All the time. Why would you not? With the speed they have. And the quarterback. It almost seems like a cheat code when yep. you see it. Like It's just guys running down the field. How can you cover all of them? <laughs> yeah. And I'd like to offer some disagreement on the pro sport that you choose as brought up here, but I can't golf all day long. Because the, the best part is you can be, be a professional at golf literally into your 60s. Because yep. you can go on the senior tour, and the senior tour is great because there are no cuts. I and I Everybody love, gets paid every week. I and I love the fact that your money is directly tied to your success. Right. So, you know, Lamar Jackson won the MVP this year. He, he doesn't get any extra money for that. If you were the MVP of, of the PGA one year, meaning you had the best year of anyone, you made way more money than everyone else. Yep, yep. Another one, tennis, I think, is, uh, would be a good one. Tennis, though, I just don't I, like tennis personally. Like I, 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 it's not that fun for me to play it. I love. I love to play. T- it's yeah. not. Oh, yeah. I love it. But but the lifestyle is good if you're top level at tennis. But it, I don't know if you've ever like read and, or seen stories on those that are kind of struggling on the fringes, and it can kind of be true of golf as well. But the thing with golf is there's it there's a career path for the struggling pro, and that is to just be a pro at a golf at a at a nice golf club. Right and do very well. Tennis, it's not quite as robust there, and it's it's interesting to kind of follow some of these tennis players that are on the fringes that are playing like in second and third third tier tournaments, and then they show up and they have to try to qualify to make one of the majors and be one of the 128 who qualifies for the primary bracket. I will say this: the one hesitation I have on golf is I've played a lot of competitive golf in my lifetime, 
and it's not as fun. Like, it's I competitive. I ha- I may have had opportunities to play in college, and I just I was over playing at a competitive level. Like, what I love about golf is the vibe, like just being out there with my friends. But because of that, I also know that the, like that group of like Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth and all those young guys, that's what they do all week. And then they just go compete on the weekend. And it's like, man, even though I don't like competitive golf as much, I would still be playing golf every single day. Right. And ha- at least half of it would just be with my buddies. Right. Yeah. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey, guys. One, what was your most favorite or most impressive throw that Locke made last season? I think mine might have been the one in the Lions game where he's coming off play action and throws a strike to Tim Patrick down the right sideline. The one to Troy Fumagalli in the preseason? Oh, man. That was something else, wasn't how, it? But how about the one to Noah Fant? Uh, early in the Texans game. Yes, mm-hmm. that's that, the one that I like most. That was an absolute laser. He literally was just like, I'm going to throw this as hard as I can. It Hopefully was, Noah catches it. It was Jay Cutler style. Yes. It, it set the tone for what was to come, too. I feel um, like that, that gave him some confidence. The one to Andrew, it, it, this one was not that difficult of a throw, but it was Patrick Mahomes-esque. The one to um, Andrew Beck, in which they went play action out of a full house. Andrew Beck kind of wheeled around across the field and drew with pressure in his face, threw it off his back foot, hit him perfectly in stride. Yep. There's a, I mean, I could give you at least 15 throws that I'm like, these are high-level NFL throws. Cortland's touchdown was a fantastic catch, but he put it where it needed to be with tight coverage. Give him a chance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Two, Ben Albright was hinting that two receivers in the top 100 is on the cards for the Broncos. I know it's early and also pre-combine, so hard to gauge draft stock. But as things stand right now, which combination of two receivers would you all take in the first three rounds? Dream scenario? I'm just going to say Jerry Judy as as uh, the complement to Cortland Sutton with speed. And then I'm going slot late on day three, and I'm KJ going Hill. K.J. Hill. <laughs> How did you know? I just know you too well. <laughs> I like my Ohio State guys i it's hard for me to do this without getting greedy i i, I, I like i'm just like oh give me judy, judy and then and trade LaVisca. back up for lavisca <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i guess it maybe there's a weird thing that's going to happen here either there's going to be a huge run on wide receivers in the first round or everyone's going to sit back and if everyone sits back there's a chance you could get a rieger in the third round i don't think he falls that far because i think the run would happen in round two if that if 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 they fell, everyone's just I, there's a chance that everyone might just be waiting for someone to flinch. <laughs> yeah, and then the dom when the dominoes fall, they fall fast. I think it was the 2014 draft, the year that the Broncos got the dud in the draft receiver game of mystery date, picking Cody Latimer. When that year, the run happened in round two. Who else could they have gotten? Well, that was the uh, that, that was the Jarvis Landry year. I believe Allen Robinson was in that realm as well. Yikes. It's pretty painful to look at, at some of the Broncos' draft history receiver and look at the picks that were around that receiver. Like the year of Carlos Henderson, Chris Godwin goes two selections later. Yep. The, thing that, the one that gets me most is Cody Latimer, actually. And it's because he clearly wasn't a cerebral receiver. That's a nice way of putting it. And you drafted him to pair him with Peyton freaking Manning. Yeah. And I just think if you're going to draft wide receiver that high, I honestly think Peyton Manning should be at your top 30 visits, and he should grill them. And you do not draft the guy unless Peyton Manning signs off on it. (laughs) Yep. He says three for Mr. B. Four, any thoughts on Blake Bortles being brought in as a backup? 
Broncos showed interest before they made the move for Allen. Granted, this was this was when they were rolling with Scangarello, and he's got plenty of starter and playoff experience. Plus, I think I like that he has similar skill set to Locke. Mobility, above average arm strength, etc. So, wouldn't have to adjust too much if Locke was out. Poor feel, poor decision making. No. You can do better. Mace isn't going to like this, and he wasn't here the day that I had this take. Uh, I'm in on Brett Rippon just being the backup. If he develops, sure, but I'm not. I'm not putting all my chips on that table. I'm. I'm making sure that there's another veteran option. I'm picking or, or using a priority free agent contract on another guy. If Brett Rippon wins, so be it. But I'm not saying okay. I'm planning on him being my backup. What have we said? This everything about this season comes down to Drew Locke. Yep. So if Drew Locke's. I'll touch wood. But if Drew Locke's out half the season. I don't really think the backup You're better matters off that going much. Going zero and eight in right. those games, <laughs> right? So just taking the pill like the 49ers did when they played Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard after uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was yes. down. And unfortunately for them, those two guys played too well. I think the backup quarterback. Well, not really because they still had were yeah. in position to take Nick Bosa. They still got Bosa. I yeah. think the backup quarterback matters. I guess more in, yeah. when you're contending, when you're a Super Bowl contender. But that's does, when it matters. Does to this keep you team afloat. fancy itself a contender? If you're being realistic, no. What if they would have got the number one pick and they would have taken Kyler Murray and then they would have won the Super Bowl? <laughs> what? <laughs> the Niners. They had Kyler instead of Jimmy G. Oh yeah. That's a that's a Ryan take. Sorry. The the world is really down on Jimmy Garoppolo right now. It's fascinating. Oh, I've been down. He's he's literally started one full season, and he has an amazing winning record. <laughs> I still just don't believe in him. What do you have? Twenty seven touchdowns, thirteen picks last year. I mean, I think the thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is that he he's good, but he's clearly not great. And that's the, can you win? Can you win it all with good but not great? Right, and you can. You can. It, you just got to have the great defense, which they had for three and a half quarters. And you can't mm-hmm. make crucial mistakes if you're going to be good, not great. And yep. Jimmy made crucial mistakes. Brian. Yeah, and the crucial mistake that you could make is not going to the Blake Street Tavern when you are in town and you want to catch a sporting event. Best nachos maybe ever. Um, incredible food the across the board. Yeah, the nachos will blow you away. And that used to be the half order. They recent that only no recently. way. Yeah, the oh. the full order used to be a mountain until they realized. Wait, this serves the entire restaurant. What yes. are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Um, green chili there. You wouldn't expect to have a good green chili at a bar most of the time, but theirs is really good. So make sure you check out the Blake Street Tavern. We love them. All right, uh, Brian. We actually answered this question yesterday. We still just have to head over to the office and open your package. We are uh, really excited for it. So, so thank well, you for sending that to thank us. Thank you. Appreciate that, Brian. World of suck. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm going to say these words. Colin Cowherd is the man. <laughs> well, kind of. He put the Broncos at number 10 on his NFL hierarchy for the 2020 season, saying we double our win total. Then one of his producers spoke up that we had seven wins, so that would mean we were going 14-2, and two, and he brought it down to an 11-5 and five prediction, LOL. But, hey, we're starting to get a bit of that national attention Ryan talked about. 
Hold up. You don't get to say they're going to double their win total. (laughs) And then when someone says that would be 14 wins, you don't get to cut that in half of how many wins they're going to improve by. What's bad is that this is the guy giving the Broncos national credit, and he didn't realize that they had seven wins last year. Yep. (laughs) What did he think they had? Five? Five. That's what I I think. Yeah, I think so. Because if he's saying they're the 10th best team in football, that translates to – a ten and six or an eleven and five type of record. So does he think that Vance Joseph's still the coach? Why? Because they were five and eleven uh, two years ago. He's just two years late on this. I mean, he just stopped paying attention, <laughs> and that's why the national buzz generally is down because the Broncos going four and one happened off the radar. People weren't paying attention to them when the, when the Broncos beat the Texans. What was the national story of that game? It wasn't Drew Locke playing well. It was, it was the, the Texans. Are the Texans a fraud? Yes. There was no no buzz about the Broncos outside of this region, even with that exquisite game. Oftentimes, I have NFL Network on the TV here, and I uh, just put it on mute when I start working, and so I don't you know often change the channel. And yesterday, the freaking Chiefs Texans playoff game came up, and it was just. I just kept glancing up and just seeing something dumb that they did. It was unbelievable. I noticed you don't have NFL Network on today. I I, th- I wondered if that was because that maybe you just were kind of sick of all the Chiefs talk no, on there. Th- th- although that <laughs> would be a very good reason. Um, no, it's because I wanted uh, NBA tra- trade deadline coverage. Okay. Because I'm hoping the Nuggets are going to do something cool. Are we 24 hours away from that? About, yeah, right around uh, noon is, I believe, the trade. Oh, no, no. Trade deadline tomorrow is Four o'clock? Okay, yeah. Is it four Eastern or four Mountain? I can't remember. Um, So, anyways, Colin Cowherd. Actually, if you listen to the clip, he knew what he was talking about a little more than he just, I guess, didn't know how many wins they had this year. But he did make good points for as to why the Broncos are going to be good. Like I said on Twitter, a stopped clock is right twice a day. (laughs) Yes. That's Colin Cowherd. Unfortunately, he's not very good at predicting these things. Although he did correctly predict when the Broncos were going to go 5-11. and And I remember people being so irate when he predicted that because I tweeted out the clip and just said, like, oh, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and he had him at 5-11, and 11 and people were livid, and he was right about that. He was right. Count Locula. Does anyone else remember Marty Ball? Love the count. Not to be confused with Monte Ball. I remember Marty Ball very well. All right, let's take guesses, Zach. Uh, I cheated. I looked it up already. But, no, I did not know Marty Ball. I'm going to say Marty Ball was an actor in silent films. No. That's close, though. Marty Ball was the style of football played by the Kansas City Chiefs under Marty Schottenheimer, (laughs) which frequently led to playoff disappointments. Sort of a less dynamic version of Andy Reid in terms of the playoffs, in terms of kind of contracting and playing not to lose. And it's why Marty Schottenheimer, he has, what, north of 200 wins? But he hasn't sniffed the Hall of Fame, and he probably won't. Marty Schottenheimer, of course, he is dealing with Alzheimer's uh. disease right now, sad to say. Although Brian Schottenheimer's son, um, a couple of days ago, tweeted out a picture of Marty wearing a Chiefs Super Bowl 54 champions hat. And, uh, you know, it looks, I mean... 
Look, he was happy at least in the in the shot, and uh, you hope that Marty got to, you know, was having one of the good days right. that you have when you're dealing with Alzheimer's, and that he was able to enjoy uh, Super Bowl Fifty Four on some on some level. But yeah, the, the Chiefs were kind of the, they were the heartbreak team of the 1990s. The Browns, of course, when Marty Schottenheimer coached there, uh, two of the three championship games they lost to the Broncos were with Marty Schottenheimer on the sidelines, and then. Uh, I think the most heartbreaking one of all for Marty Schottenheimer actually was probably his final game. The best team he ever had was the Chargers in 2006. 14-2. Wade Phillips was his defensive coordinator, and, you know, it was a Wade Phillips defense. And Phillip Rivers was in his first year as a starter, but LaDainian Tomlinson set the touchdown record that year. Uh, That team looked like a world championship type of team. And they get the Patriots at home. And uh, there's an NFL films clip because Schottenheimer was mar- mic'd up a lot. He was mic'd up for this game. And he walks around to his players, and he goes up to Marlon McCree, who eventually played one year for the Broncos. And they're kind of talking about what to do if you get that, like joking, like, what do you do if you get that pick to clinch the game? And he's like, you know, you go down. Well, Marlon McCree picks off Tom Brady in the final moments. He doesn't go down. Fumble. Patriots get the ball back go on to win the game. Yikes. And it's so bad. And Marty Schottenheimer was fired not long after that. And I think to myself, man, I mean, you basically got fired for something that was out of you really out of your control. It it was you controlled it as much as you possibly could. Right. That is brutal. Speaking of Marty Ball, this one comes in from Jimmy Balls. <laughs> <laughs> Two questions for you, gents, today. One, what's the biggest animal that you could realistically tape to a streetlight? First of all, I do not support I'm this in any way. I'm never taping an f- animal to a streetlight. No. But it, it's an interesting um, thought exercise. It has to be a, a fairly docile animal, I would say. Yeah, you're not going to be able to like r- like hold a buck no. uh, up to a streetlight. Peter won't like this conversation. No, they won't. <laughs> uh, and like I said, we don't condone any sort of no. uh, animal cruelty. Like something the size of a large pillow. Even a raccoon would scratch its way out of out of your hand. Oh, probably a alive, probably a koala. Because yeah. koalas just like grab to sleep. Onto it. And also, it would grab onto <laughs> oh, it. And koalas God. like. But again, this is this is this awful. Terrible. This what is are we so doing? Bad. <laughs> Two. Which Bronco besides Locke needs to take the biggest step forward in 2020 in order to justify our optimism for the team? It's a good, really good question. Um, it depends on where things go in free agency, but candidates would include Garrett Bowles. Um, I've got one. Bradley Chubb. That's mine. Um, I, like whoever would be their second receiver. I, you asked the fair question uh, uh, earlier this week. Can we be certain that Bradley Chubb is is the guy? And that's still something we we definitely think he is. But we need to see it coming off an ACL, a very good rookie year, obviously, and a rough start to last year. So. We need to see it. Then if Drew Locke takes that step and you have the stud on offense at quarterback, that's all that really matters. But then if you have the Von Miller of the next decade on defense, boy, you're feeling good. Here's an under-the-radar candidate, Draymond Jones. Interior pass rush. Yeah, Chris Jones. Getting home with four guys. Right, as you guys were talking about that, they're uh, showing Cardale Jones. Another Ohio State guy. Uh, XFL quarterback Cardale Jones on the screen. From the who DC looks about defenders. the same size as uh, Draymond Jones <laughs> at this point. 
Let me, let me, yeah, let me he, have him marked down as a quarterback. He fills out that uh, D.C. Defenders uniform pretty well. Yeah, is he from the, the D.C. area? I'm not sure. I think he is. Well, he has yeah. most square shoulder pads I've ever seen. Who else? He looks like an old school player with the big square shoulder pads that he has. <laughs> yeah. Boy, are you going to watch the XFL this weekend? I've said this once. I'll say nope. it again. If I'm on Twitter just doing nothing and someone mentions like, oh, man, this D.C. Defenders versus whoever you dragons. Defenders? Like the Depends undergarments? Defenders. <laughs> D.C. Defenders. Um, versus the Seattle Dragons. This game is going down to the wire. I'll turn it off. Okay. But I'm not you, – you won't catch me just being like – Sorry, babe. We can't uh, go to lunch. I got to watch this XFL game. Um, yeah, let's see what happens if I tell my wife, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm free all day except for those three hours when the Tampa Bay Vipers are playing. <laughs> what? Oh, gosh. That said, if the XFL is in Denver in 2021, may not be covering it actively, but I'm going to be following it. Yes, the Denver Gold. <laughs> yep. Burrito Chat says, oh, goodness. I have a few things to catch up on here. Off season, here we come. One, fireflies. Mace, have you ever heard of the national phenomenon that takes place near Knoxville, Tennessee, and the Smoky Mountains called the Firefly Synchrony? For those who have never heard of it, there is one night a year between the last week of May and the first week of June where a specific type of firefly called the synchronous firefly gather together in the mountains. They all begin to light up in unison together. At first, you will see a single firefly, and then a dozen, and then a hundred, and then a thousand, and then thousands of little lights all shine throughout the night together. Then suddenly, it all goes dark. After a short while, the flashing cycle begins again. Over and over, this occurs throughout the night. A raffle is offered up every year for campground spots, and the value where the synchrony takes place. It's about 100 to 1 chance of securing front row tickets to one of the most fascinating events in nature. No one knows why this event takes place, but many assume it is the male fireflies competing with each other for mates. At any rate, it's freaking wild. That sounds awesome. Heard of it? Never been? Would like to go at some point in life? I'm If I'm eventually living up in the mountains of North Carolina, not too far from there, I'm sure I'll try to take it in some years. Yes. I'll say this. It's pretty much always entertaining when males are competing with each other for mates. <laughs> Especially when they can light up. Two, flat whites. I managed a coffee roasters for years, so here's some useless information for you about flat whites and other drinks. The defining difference between espresso drinks based or base drinks is tied to the amount of milk served in the drink and the way the milk is frothed. Which we've kind of already mm-hmm. gone over. Yep. We've learned about this. Yep. This plays out as a macchiato, taking, talking about the traditional Italian drink, not the Starbucks sugary thing, being two ounces of espresso to one ounce of foam milk. A cappuccino is two ounces to drink, to, or two ounces of espresso to four ounces of milk. A dry cap is four ounces of foam milk. A wet cap is four ounces of steamed milk. And a standard cap is two ounces of steamed and two ounces of foamed. A latte is two ounces of espresso to two ounces of steamed milk. There are no sizes to speak of, only ratios between espresso and milk. A flat white is a wet cappuccino with a... Uh, ristretto ristretto shot which is an espresso shot that is ended quicker than usual literally the machine is shut off before the shot is done pulling causing the espresso to be more acidic and quote bright three is for mr b that's some good information yeah i guess we can start our own coffee (laughs) shop now we really can for football how about that a football question is there any credence to thinking that the league is about to be flooded with quality wide receivers so the most practical reaction to that impending reality is to load up on interior pass rushers and cornerbacks as much as possible in the draft and free agency thoughts Uh, much love fam chat about to be it already is Uh, receiver is the one position that college football has no problem producing 
quality guys at for the NFL. Right, because yeah. the the job description is fairly simple. Yes. Run fast and catch well. And it's a position where you know what you've got in two years. Yep. From Bat Soup, gentlemen, thank you in advance for hiring me as head of culinary operations in your expansion franchise. RK, I'll be sure to serve your favorite dish at least once a week. Cheers, Bat Soup. Yeah, Shouldn't you be trying I, to serve it to your opponent <laughs> if it's Bat Soup? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're getting our head of culinary <laughs> operations. No. Nope. Sorry about that. Next one from T Meeks. Hey, fellas. A name we don't hear floating around too much anymore that could be a, a viable backup option. What about Josh Rosen? Or is a vet backup? John Elway would never. Why? Oh, okay. Yeah. Or is a vet backup with more experience <laughs> more important for Locke's development? If so, I'd be happy with Fitz, Magic, Chase, Daniels, or Boyles. Thoughts? Thanks, guys. Keep up the hard work, DNVR. Of Ruben. those three, I'd say Chase Daniels probably the best fit for what the Broncos would want. I'd be fine with Chase Daniels. Fitz Magic would be so entertaining. He would be entertaining, but I think he stays in Miami. Yeah, I don't think he's coming. That he's beard in anywhere. Miami, that, that, the humidity and heat isn't bothering <laughs> him down there. I think he likes the little critters that go in it. Yeah, because he's done Tampa now in Miami. I think he's comfortable with the great big bushy beard in those humid subtropical climates. Okay. All right. So anyway, T uh, or Larry Den Jr. Hey, fellas. Man, your guys' feedback is insane. So happy I subscribed. And we can have these back and forth conversations. Mace, thank you. Thank you for pointing out that Drew's best play came when Jawan James was on the field because the more and more I watch tape of every game, the more and more it's changing my perspective in how we should approach the offseason. Guys, I'm watching the O-line play, and I gotta be fair, Bowles isn't as bad as everyone would make it seem. A lot of where he screws up is mental. The penalties, the lack of ability to lead block on screen passes, the holding downfield, it's all mental that I pray he can fix. Juwan James, however, played awesome, and Connor McGovern was okay, and Reisner, of course, was awesome. Wilkinson, Elijah Wilkinson is abysmal, five exclamation points, all caps. I watched the second KC game and think to myself, I'm shocked Drew Locke didn't get hurt. Wilkinson played so bad that I thought he was taking dives intentionally. Alex Okafor is going almost untouched. Wilkinson was horrible in the Green, ga Green Bay game two as well, and in relief, of James in the Colts game, and I can go on and on. He was horrendous. So my question is, is the need for offensive line so prevalent that we should avoid some of this incredible talent at wide receiver to make sure we grab O-line help? Because if, and I know that's a big if, but if Jawan James is healthy, Bowles mentally gets it together, this tackle situation may be a lot better than we think, and we just need to draft depth in later rounds. What do you think, fellas? I mean, the news about us taking two wide receivers in the top 100 sounds exciting. All caps, four exclamation points. I just keep thinking Cortland's 80-20 ability to go get it, fancy speed, and what Shermer does for a tight end of fancy skill set paired with Drew's ability to extend plays, and then we hit the draft, and boom, we had more weapons to this offense. OMG, Mims and Ruggs, perhaps, or Rager and Mims. I mean, Come on now. I mean, it's it's very exciting, uh, of course, and I don't think any of us would argue with how exciting it is. And I think all of us would be open to the idea of two wide receivers in the top 100. But like, if. like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ifs there, and I'm not going to count on those ifs. But I'm also not overdrafting an offensive tackle at 15. If there are equal talents there at offensive tackle and wide receiver at 15, I'm taking the tackle. It's likely 
that that's not going to be the case, that there's a better wide receiver there, then that's when I go wide receiver. Yeah, and I think uh, just because there are, it's a good tackle draft, it's a, but it's an amazing receiver draft. And if they're equal players, then yeah, tackle is the direction I'm going. I think the interesting thing that Larry mentions, he talks about Garrett Bowles, but of course comes back to the mental side. And is that something, I, I don't know if that's something that can be truly fixed. I think you can work around it to some degree and you can work extra with him, but I don't know if that's something you can truly fix to where it's not an issue anymore. From everything I've heard, it's not a lack of effort for Garrett Bowles no. in terms of trying to get better. It's a lack of ability um, from that side of the game. All right, the next one here comes in from Carpaccio, Chris, and just a really, <laughs> really great story here. Unbelievable stuff. He says, a few it's weeks emotional. back, Drew Locke and his girlfriend were over having dinner over some green chili nachos at Blake Street Tavern near their home in Denver. Obviously, everyone recognized them, but no one interrupted them at all, allowing them to enjoy a peaceful meal. They paid their bill and started to head out the door, and still, nobody is jumping up to ask for a selfie or an autograph or anything. Drew stops at the door, turns back, and everyone looks up. He says to the entire restaurant, thanks for, getting, thanks for letting us enjoy our dinner. This is why I love the Mile High City. You guys are awesome. After he and his girlfriend left, it was revealed that they had paid the bill for every table. That is amazing. It's awesome. That I mean, is amazing. Someone said it, so it must be what true, right? guy. <laughs> it has to be true because someone said it. Amaz I mean, that's the type of guy Drew is. And uh, Missouri Bronco chimed in and said, like they said, copy and paste. With all the smoke being blown up Mahomes' posterior up here, I am skeptical of stories like this. He's about to be able to just pay the bill for everyone eating out in every Kansas City, Missouri restaurant. Yep. With the new contract he's about to get. Iceman. Hey, friends. For Adam, Sherry McGuire is indeed a sports movie. Go Broncos slash Drew. Well, that would actually be to Mace and I. I know Adam posted the story mm -hmm. and the podcast, but that was Mace and I's work. Yeah. Mace, what do we boil it down to? Because we have we, a long podcast on this. You can go listen to that. But what, what did it boil down to? We talked about how you could take the sports out of it and say that Jerry Maguire is an agent representing an, an actor who's emerging, and that actor just happens to win. And that moment that Rod Tidwell, Cuba Gooding Jr. has on the field, you could have the same moment with that actor or actress winning the Best Supporting Actor or Actress at the Academy Awards, and that opening, and all of a sudden that opens up a whole horizon of possibilities, bigger roles, bigger money, and that too would be a very big night for, uh, for the agent as well, knowing what was coming. So. I strongly disagree, just because I think you can change the subject matter of any movie and change what type of movie it is. Uh, how with Little Giants? I mean, I don't know. See, there you go. There, there you I go. It's a sports Little, movie. I haven't seen Little Giants recently enough to know how to answer that but question. But, I mean, but what, like, what so we look said at, was um, that was what, really quick. What we said was that one's, like, all based around sports. This is based around an agent. and Now, it's still a sports movie, but it can be easily changed. And, and it's more than just a sports movie. And it's movie. just interesting that you have the climactic scene. What At first, you think, oh, you know, Rod Tidwell dancing and then after the game giving Jerry the big hug you think that's the climactic scene but oh no 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 Jerry's got to he's got to run out of the stadium he's got to run through the airports he's got to fly back to LA he's got to show up at the house and you know and tell Dorothy Boyd about the big night their company had and how we live in this cynical world and and win her back and then she says you had me at hello 
So that's the that the climax isn't the football. The climax is him him affirming his love to his new wife. That's what it is. Have you guys seen A Star Is Born? No, no. I know what you're talking about. It's a music movie, right? Yep. You could just change it and make the the main character Bradley Cooper. He's a men's golfer, <laughs> and um, oh god, what's her name? Lady Gaga is just a women's golfer, and now it's a golf movie. Sure. He has a drinking problem. They fall in love. Uh, nothing changes. I'd actually be more likely to watch it if it were a golf movie. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri Bronco says, medium-length comment. I think he meant to say long comment. I must say thank you to the three for talking me away from the ledge yesterday. Zach helped me realize that Kansas City should have actually won it long ago, keeping the sports cycle theory constant, one championship every 32 years. Here's to hoping the past replicates itself, and it's 2069 before even or before they even get to look at the Lombardi again. I don't know how many of these I can take before transferring to Greeley to escape the madness. I don't know if this has been asked, but what kind of juice are your guys' favorites? Mine is apple, but this blend of apple, strawberry, and banana I'm drinking now is a close second. Final part, since I am decorating my living room, what are some cool Broncos decorations I could use? My roommate will be a Chiefs fan, so I need to get all the space first. Would DNVR Broncos have any flags or anything that will work? Thanks, fellas, for all you do. Well, we have stickers, so stickers could help you decorate. Um, we, you also could like take some of the shirt designs and print them out, which we've done in the uh, office in a few areas. But also, we are actually thinking about flags and, and potentially getting into that. So stay tuned on that. As for juice, I love apple juice. In fact, it's funny because I've said I'm not that big on apples. Apple juice is amazing. <laughs> um, cranberry juice is actually my favorite fruit juice. Just plain old cranberry, not mixed with anything else. No, not the cocktail either. The cran- I want the yeah. straight stuff. I like cranberry juice, although I like like cran mango no. juice. <laughs> um, orange juice when it's fresh. I, I don't like the stuff that's kind of like from can and then you know frozen and processed. I like the fresh orange juice that you get down in Florida. Um, I like the fresh orange juice when it's squeezed right in front of you. It is. Yes. It's about the most amazing thing ever. I never had that till last year. There's a place not too far from where, where my parents live. It's like a. It's basically a warehouse where they kind of take all the oranges that have been brought in from the farms and they kind of package them and sell them. But there's a little shop in there where they do fresh orange juice and they squeeze it right in front of you, and they also do orange ice cream. Mm, that wow. sounds delicious, and it's tremendous at this place. The other, um, the other, the other thing I'm thinking on the juice. I mentioned this on an earlier podcast. I know it's what you can get out in Hawaii: the Pog, passion fruit, orange, guava, mm, all in one. Interesting. Yeah. All right. The next one here is from Finn, who says, "I started listening to you guys around week 13 this year, and I've been itching to start commenting, but I could only afford a subscription just now. Well, we're really, really, really happy to have you, uh, and welcome aboard." Said uh, lots, I'd love to say, but I'll keep it to two things for now. One, you guys were talking about celebrities that are Broncos fans. The amazing Haley Steinfeld. Anyone? Anyone? I'd have to look her up. No. Was that Super Bowl 50 repping the Broncos? I don't know if she's a big fan, but when the time came, she chose the orange and blue. We got any guesses on Um. Well, she's an actress, and uh, she started off – it's a pretty good story. She started off um, – with at the Seinfeld, she was she was a live audience clapping in the background, and oh, then wow. she she kind of mid 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 time actor. 
okay. Yeah, yeah. She was Mini nominated Wolves. for an Academy Award. Well, yeah, that was the peak of her career, of course. <laughs> After her beginnings on Steinfeld. <laughs> the Steinfeld spinoff. <laughs> Is that it? She was nominated for That's all we what got. What did she get it nominated for? What movie? How old? True Grit. Is that it Clint Eastwood? Familiar. Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Clint yeah. <laughs> it's the one that the Coen brothers did. Oh, oh. About was like are... 10 years ago. Always good. So she would have been... Um, she would have been 14 when she received her oh. Academy Award nomination. So she's 24. Yes. Okay. Oh. And so her, her uncle Fair is <laughs> her uncle is uh, Jake Steinfeld, as embodied by Jake. Wow. Who runs Major League Lacrosse as well. Wow. wow. He's been doing that? it big. How about that? He goes on, hearkening back to others telling their stories of becoming fans. I have a confession to make. I've only been a Broncos fan for just over six years, but hold the pitchforks. I don't think I'm a bandwagoner. I and my family, living in New York at the time, were not big football fans. We'd watch one or two games besides the Super Bowl each year and generally root for New York teams, but I didn't really care about football. One of my best friends was a Broncos fan. His dad was too, and he started really being a fan with Jake Plummer. I still didn't care much about football, but at the end of the 2013 season, I started liking the Broncos thanks to him. When I showed up with my then-girlfriend to a Super Bowl 48 party, I, for the first time, cared a little about a team and proudly rooted for the Broncos. No one there cared much for football, but everyone else rooted for the Seahawks. What a way to start life as a Broncos fan. Seriously. By the time Super Bowl 50 rolled around, I was solidified as a fan of the Broncos and showed up to a Super Bowl party again, being the only one to pick and really root for the Broncos to win. Talk about feeling validated. Anyway, now I bleed orange and blue, and despite several losing seasons with Manning, a Super Bowl win, uh, and with yearly additions to the Hall of Fame, finally, it's been a heck of a good stretch of six years to be a fan. Thanks, guys. Excited to be a part of the family. We love having your role with us, and, and thanks for sharing your story. Everyone has a different story of how they become a fan, and I definitely don't think you're a bandwagoner. No, definitely, definitely not. Next one from Love, love Thunder Down Under. <laughs> Testy festy? How is that a celebration? But my wife won't celebrate my festies. Testies. Oh, wow. Man, I'm at a new Rocky Mountain low with this. And then he continues, Andrew Mason at his next family funeral. I got a ring. You got one, too? Dead cousin, big. Come kiss it, boo. I'm sorry for your loss. Jesus. (laughs) From Andreas3000. Hey, fellas, I agree with you that the 49ers would have won on Sunday if they had a better quarterback. Therefore, my main take from the Super Bowl is that if Drew Locke is that quarterback for the 49ers, they would have got it done. Good signs for the Broncos, I hope. Thoughts? Mm, I'm not prepared to say Drew Locke is at that level yet where they would have definitely gotten it done. I'm prepared to say that they, I don't know if definitely, but I would have been more confident in them. Someone asked me, um, I was on a radio interview before the Super Bowl, and they asked, who's more, who would you rather have for this game, the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo or Drew Locke? Would you, you would say Drew? I would say Drew. I said Jimmy, just but, because the experience is there, and, and taking into account this would be Drew's, what, sixth start? And just throwing him into the Super Bowl. But I said, in one year from now, it's Drew. So it depends on the uh, hypothetical world that we're living in. Because if Drew Locke just all of a sudden shows up the week of the Super Bowl and has to play, like obviously that's not how it's going to work. Um, so I'm saying like if Drew Locke was the quarterback all season for the 49ers, I think they would have been better off. 
But that's not it. Yeah, it, it was kind of that he gets two weeks to prepare. Yeah, no, then right. that's not fair. Right. Uh, next one from, uh, we just got that one, Nick Geyer, 813. Ha, I love when RK says, real quick, then you guys proceed to talk about said subject for like 10 minutes. Also, it's obvious which food, which food when, wins the all-day food debate. Planes, <laughs> duh, meets all qualifications. Well, it's true. It's not breakfast, lunch, or dinner. <laughs> all right. What's with it? I mean, are you putting a fried egg on top of the bit of airplane? No, you can't. <laughs> Dan Burke says, RK, is it true that the Buffs wanted Christian McCaffrey to play safety? I heard that just now, and I'm shook. Yeah, a lot of schools yeah, actually that. saw uh, Christian McCaffrey as more of a safety. And one of the main reasons he went to Stanford, on top of the fact that his dad went there, is that they were willing to let him play running back. Are you disgusted by that? This stuff happens so much. Obviously, yes. Um, now, with Looking hindsight back, being 2020. Um, also, like, just, I hate to say this, but everyone does it. You just lie. You just say, yeah, you can go play whatever <laughs> position you want. You they, get him there, and then he's stuck with you, and you're like, yeah, you're playing safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it happens to players all the time. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, he goes on, also, if the Broncos signed Calais Campbell to the same t- contract they signed DeMarcus Ware to, uh, three years, thirty million, with twenty million guaranteed, five million to sign. Are y'all good with that? And do you think Calais could have a D-Ware level of impact as far as leadership goes? Yes, fine with that. That's I great. Would love that. Love it. And I've been starting to think about my ideal plan for the Broncos in terms of free agency and the draft. And that's one of the pieces in there. Mm, love it. From Super Bowlin, I know it's super unrealistic, but I'd love Judy to drop to us at fifteen, then us trade back up for Lavisca. Not a chance in a million years, but it's fun and mad. And, and then he goes on to some Bachelor talk. Also, the fact that McKenna, Kelsey, and Tammy need to go. Wish my man gave Lexi a chance. Oh. Yeah, he is making some bad decisions. Are you ready for uh, two hours tonight? Of course I am. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm so far behind, and now this five hours this week is killing me. So I need to catch up. I'll catch up quick. You need to catch up. This is probably how some people feel about with our podcast. <laughs> it's true. They're like, wait, two hours a day? Next one from World to Suck. Let me preface this comment by saying I'm not a fan of the notion of Keenum's return to Denver, nor do I think it's going to happen. But I was daydreaming earlier, and this comedic scenario came to my mind. Pat Shermer implores Elway to let Brandon Allen go and keep ripping on the practice squad. He pounds the table for a case Keenum be his backup. Pat says he's the best backup in the league. Just look at their success together in Minnesota in 2017. The season begins. Locke takes the league by storm, and Keenum mentors him along the way. Boston. Much like Alex Smith and Pat, Pat Mahomes' relationship, Pat Shermer loves what he sees. The Broncos make the wild card seed, but Drew Locke gets injured in the wild card Touch game. Wood. Touch wood. Good Lord. Pat Shermer puts in his guy. It's Keenum time. In Nick Foles fashion, Keenum leads the Broncos to a Super Bowl victory, Ew. claiming the MVP and redeeming his name in the Mile High City. As he celebrates, he realizes he wants to thank the old friend Ugh. that brought him back to the town, and he hoists the Lombardi in the air and shouts into the microphone, This one's for Pat! Okay, if, if Case Keenum <laughs> comes in in the postseason, he melts down in the conference championship game like he did. Back with the Vikings. I hate. I hated that story. Sorry, world of suck. <laughs> that was. That wasn't a fun daydreaming exercise no, for you. Didn't like it even one bit. Okay, yeah. With Keenum, he was living on the edge. He had some interceptions that had been dropped throughout the year, and it just all caught up to him. I think when it the, mattered the most, it, it, it was the classic case of it was the moment was too big for him. In this story, Keenum would be. Uh, he would redeem his name until he lifts the Lombardi Trophy and says, "This one's for Pat," meaning. Pat Shermer, then everyone would be like, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, 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 no. H-Town Bronco. Or did you have something? No. 
Anyone who says pancakes are better than waffles is not to be trusted. Waffles all the way every single time. Also, I dig the apple takes, but the best fruit is kiwis. This is probably the best comment we've had today. I just don't know why you're competing over being in second or third place. It doesn't matter. <laughs> French toast is the best. Well, the other thing, I mean, if it, you, I like them all, but pancakes, I mean, let's say you go to like snooze or something like that. Pancakes, I mean, that, those are amazing pancakes. And those are life-changing like pancakes. 25 different ways. Yeah. yeah, they do have some crazy pancakes. And kiwis, oh, kiwis are amazing. Kiwis are great. They, they're just so hard to, like, really enjoy because they're so small. you got to have, like, four. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what they're are still the, delicious. What are the little things? Kumquats? They're, like, oranges, but you just eat the whole thing? Those are pretty good. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, from Sir James Radio, I don't believe I've heard this question asked yet. I'm wondering with Terrell Davis in the Hall of Fame and Steve Atwater finally Ill, uh, inbound, what are the odds that Devontae Harris and Philip Lindsay are the last two players to ever wear 27 and 30 on the active re- roster, respectively? About 1,000 to 1. Yeah, it's not. It's Those. what we talked about yesterday. It should be first ballot, guys. Unfortunately, um, TD and Steve weren't first ballot. Also, he says, I'm 175% behind the notion of pumping up Tom Nalen for the Hall of Fame discussion. That uh, that one means more to me on a personal level. As a former center in my high school days, I tried to pattern my game around him. It really helped that my school ran his own blocking scheme so I could study film on him on the regular. Tom Nalen, Hall of Fame 2024. Uh, uh, maybe like 2029. Yeah, he might have to be a seniors guy if you're talking about him. The other thing with Tom Nalen, I don't think it's ever helped his cause that he famously would not talk to the media. Yep. During his playing days. And then he came, became a part of the media. I know. For, what, a collective six months? Yep. <laughs> I mean, how many yeah. different stations was he on over the years doing shows? And I only know of just two. Yeah. He was actually a host on this podcast for uh, six hours. Yeah. <laughs> really? No. no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> from, According to iTunes, he probably was. Yeah, though. seriously. It, it, I, you know what? And I have nothing against Tom Nalen personally, but uh, when a player doesn't, cooperate with the media during their playing days and they jump to the media side i find that to be hypocritical well he's totally he's not gonna make it five pro bowls that's great i mean that's why he's in the ring of fame but that's that's not gonna do it in terms of a hall of fame perspective yeah i mean he's one of those every team has a guy like that where the fan base feels like oh he should be considered in the hall of fame discussion and they just never really are i think the broncos probably have multiple guys like that because i hear people talking up rod smith yep Rod but, Smith is yeah. in, like, the great story Hall of Fame. Yes. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Mark Shipper says, hope all is good. My question is, would you guys be interested in Kendall Fuller in free agency? He's decent and would pair well with Callahan if Chris moves on. The To the two guys who live in Hayes, are you guys under 25 or the age of getting BOD? God? I don't know that reference. I'm sorry. Blackout drunk. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> I go to Hayes about once a month and get after it. Just curious. Go DNVR Mark in Kansas. Uh, Do they have to be under 25 for you to get BOD with them? My guy Mark loves to tip him back. and uh, I love Mark. He's a large man, too, so he can drink quite a few. Mm. But Kendall Fuller, if you don't get a Byron Jones, James Bradbury type, I'd be in on Kendall Fuller. It'd be fine. Bro- of yeah. course, brother and cousin of... Uh, of- Chris Fuller and uh, Kyle Fuller, Kyle who played Fuller. for Vic Fangio in Chicago, and famously in the show Fuller House. Right, exactly. The, does that Fuller wet the bed like Fuller in Home Alone? Hopefully not. 
Hopefully not. <laughs> True Champ Fan 24. See if I can sneak this in. Number one, ice cream cake is the best. Boom, no cap. Love it. Someone tweeted at me that Sweet Cow has an amazing ice cream cake. Oh, I bet they do. I bet they do. Two, the testy festy was always fun, but always got a little out of hand. Best way to eat Rocky Mountain oysters is when they beat them flat, cut them into strips, and deep fry them. I, I believe that that's that the is way. the way, right? That's the only way. Because if they were round, people would look at it and they'd throw up, right? That's really, really painful sounding. <laughs> beat them flat. <laughs> oh, I'm cringing. Three for Mr. B. It's no different than like taking a chicken breast and flattening it with a mallet. You know, it's the same concept. I do it all the time yeah. when I make chicken parm. Yeah, exactly. Number four. I hate living in a world where the Chiefs won a Super Bowl, but at least it wasn't the Raiders. It's true. Broncos need to get one more so they can have the most in the division. That's that's a good point. Number five. I agree with Mace. Retire all first ballot Hall of Famers numbers. Number six, please don't get me started on Rod Smith and the lack of respect he gets for his Hall of Fame legitimacy. If Michael Irvin is a Hall of Famer, Rod Smith is a Hall of Famer. Look at the stats and the accolades. Very little separation. Glad Isaac Bruce finally made it. That was just as disrespectful as Steve Atwater not being in. Seven, still don't like Elway. Interesting. Um, I'm all for Rod Smith being a Hall of Famer. I think that he's probably my favorite wide receiver in Broncos history. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think with uh, Rod Smith and Michael Irvin, Irvin, they have comparable stats. Irvin played, I believe, tw- 24 fewer games, so a season and a half less. Uh, Rod Smith was never more than a second-team All-Pro, and he was also a three-time Pro Bowler. I mean, that's, that's, that's solid, but it doesn't really get you into that conversation, whereas you compare to the accolades that Michael Irvin had when he played, and he was a first-team All-Pro once, but he was a five-time Pro Bowler, and he was also a second-team All-Pro twice. Rod was a second-team All-Pro once. And, and I he think played that, for the Cowboys. Yeah, and, and he plays for the Cowboys. Well, I mean, I hate to say that, but it counts that he played for the Cowboys when they won three Super Bowls. Rod Smith was part of the Broncos when they won two, and you'd think that would help him. The other thing with Michael Irvin even though Rod Smith did have injuries at the end of his career. Michael Irvin is actually regarded with some sense of sympathy because of the way his career ended. Neck injury in Philadelphia in 1999. Uh, it was basically, at the time, thought that, for all practical purposes, his career was cut short by injury because while he wasn't a force-of-nature receiver, he was still a guy who was cranking out 1,000-yard season after another. He had 1,000-yard seasons in each of the previous two years. It would, If not for an injury or, or missing five games in 1996, Michael Irvin would have had eight consecutive 1,000-yard seasons before the neck injury. Pretty so. good. Next one's from The Big Tabowski. Can one of you three please watch Game Changers on Netflix and report back? You'll be blown away, I promise. Could even change your life. What's it about? I don't know. Sounds watch. Like a game changer. From J Money Stack. Hey guys, I was listening to older pods and I was on the pod where Mace had his moment of clarity on our Lord and Savior, and I was shocked to hear Mace quote my favorite movie, Pulp Fiction. I had what alcohols refer to as a moment of clarity. I did not know Mace was such a man of culture. Mace just Mace knows everything. It's 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 a great term though. Except for cat's pajamas. <laughs> uh, I'm learning something new every day. <laughs> There, there are other Pulp Fiction moments that we could cite as well. I and mean, have, we don't use Pulp Fiction often enough. 
Well, we did talk about pulp from orange juice earlier. Yes. So and I, I we like, talked about a fictional story yeah. about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, <laughs> what I should say is, once anytime you guys get a, a fact like a fact out of nowhere, I should insta- I should say, check out the big brain on Zach. Because if there's a care, it's with Brett is the character in a pulp fiction. Like because he, they're trying like like do you know why they uh, don't have quarter pound don't call it quarter pounders in France? And he's like. Uh, the metric system. Check out the big brain on Brett. You a smart MFR. That's right. <laughs> metric system. And final one here coming in from Ooh Benny Lava. Hey yo, congrats to Mr. Atwater. Long overdue. I gotta say, the smiling assassin is one of the most badass nicknames a person has ever had. The name conjures up some frightful imagery. It sounds like it could be a character or some Tarantino movie or something. I agree. Two, can you guys project how next year's sophomore quarterbacks, Locke, Kyler, Haskins, D-Dimes, and Mustache, will look and rank amongst each other? Nothing super in-depth in terms of stats or anything like that. And will this be harder to project, but maybe add in next year's rookie crop? Locke and Kyler are stars. Haskins and Danny Dimes are okay NFL quarterbacks. Mustache was a flash in the pan that is now gone. I think Danny Dimes is going to be good. Uh, I think he's going to be good. So I would put him in that conversation with Locke and Kyler. Haskins, average, and will Minshew even be a starter? Maybe. I think he'll beat out Foles. I think I think Kyler is the pro bowler who has some elite flashes. I think uh, Locke and uh, Daniel Jones are, are mid-tier to maybe slightly on the upper side of mid-tier. Haskins, I think, struggles, and uh, Minshew... I think uh, a nice story, but uh, I think he'll be exposed a little bit. Three for Mr. B. Four, on the subject of eating oranges, and this is going to sound weird, but you got to trust me. Try eating an orange in the shower. It's freaking incredible. First off, you don't have to worry about spilling any juices or anything. And secondly, the aromatic compounds from the citrus combined with the shower steam, and it smells amazing. Try it. Oh. Actually, I've heard of this. Have you guys heard of shower beers? Yes. Of course. There's a very big thing that I found out from my my girlfriend on Reddit. It's big thing. Shower oranges. It's big time. Okay. Nope. I want to know who had this idea and why. What it took to first conjure up the thought of I'm going to eat this orange in the shower. I think there's a lot of weirder things. How many I don't want to eat in the shower ever. <laughs> I don't even like shower beers. So you're not you're not down for preparing your food either. I know. Um, I think it was Kramer on Seinfeld. He was trying to uh, uh, make himself more efficient. So he he was trying to learn how to take showers better, but he also figured he could maximize his shower time. So he had a garbage disposal installed in his shower so he could prepare his food while he bathed. Oh, my gosh. Yep, not going to do that. <laughs> I just, I'm trying to get in and out of the shower. I'm not a long shower person. Mm, yeah, I like shower. I, I'll definitely try a shower orange. Uh, it's, I, I like it's five. It's a uh, three to five minutes and out. Yep, yep. Gravity Maybe, is your friend. Depending uh, if I'm shower, if I'm friend. showering first thing in the morning, then it's going to take a little while just because I'm a sloth. Um, <laughs> but if I yeah, if I'm like getting ready, boom, in and out. The one some once in maybe a month, I'm like, oh, I just want to go just bask. In the water. The other thing that will cause me to take a long shower is if I'm sick, if I've got like a cough or a cold, and you wake up and you're just stopped up, so you want to get in the shower and just kind of it, it, it needs to be a fairly warm to hot shower and kind of take in the steam a little bit and it kind of 
and and, and it kind of clears you up. That's a perfect a time bit. for a shower Mucinex. <laughs> My parents um, have a steam shower. That was the best mm. when yeah. you were sick. Go in there, spray some eucalyptus oil in the air. Or have an orange. No oranges. No food in the shower. No shower beers. Oh, shower, shower beer in a steam shower could have uh, my attention. You don't need it. Yeah. You don't want beer in, in that. Yeah, you don't want a regular shower because you don't want to water down the beer. Right, but you're gonna need to put it into a Contigo water bottle so it stays cold in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Contigo, the official water bottle of this podcast. It's one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> All right, before we get out of here, shout out to Denver Rubber Company. They are your go-to for anything rubber, especially snow plows that create that stupid pile in my parking lot that I'm so sad about. It's so large now. Might be all the way until summer until it's gone. But anyways, if you are the person who does that, you're going to need to hit up Denver Rubber Company for your custom slotted, custom blades, whatever you need. Hit up Denver Rubber Company, 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com. Slash DNVR. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.